This is the joy of gaming. Welcome to the Joy of Gaming Podcast, episode 57. I am Rich Lapore, and I am here with... Jordan Alseka. And Kelsey Lair. And uh, today we have uh, some games to talk about. As always, we've got some gaming news coming out of Gamescom 2016 in Germany. Wish I was there. Be pretty awesome. Um, and then we also have a topic to discuss as well. Yes, uh, we're going to be taking a look at... Games that we like that either no one else seems to like or that are, we feel are underrated or that got a lot of hate upon release, but we think that there is value in. It's a varied category, but basically, if it's a game that, you know, regularly got sixes or less in review sites or has a certain bit of a uh, infamous history, but we really enjoyed them, really liked playing them, those are the sort of games you might see on this list. For example, whatever reason. For example Resident Evil 4, not going to be on this list. Everybody loves that game. Resident Evil 6... Might be on this list. That is true. In fact, the the uh, the one I went to with Kelsey is because she always likes to get Rich's goat with it, and she seems to enjoy it. Was actually Resident Evil, which was uh, Operation Raccoon City, but it apparently oh didn't quite make the list. Oh God! Oh my God! I did it? How dun, much did dun, you? Dun. I, right? How Kelsey? How much time did you spend playing that game for real? Like. 12 hours? No. That's a significant chunk of time. No. That's more yeah, than Yeah, my food. brother and I played with <laughs> played it, so we were we were messing around with it. 12 hours? Dude, oh my god. Hey, didn't they come out with another like class-based um yeah, like, Umbrella Core game just that, like, dropped. It, it just dropped and like disappeared mm-hmm. like a little sploosh. Yes. Kind of when you're uh kind of when you're you, you guys you guys played Wind Waker? I have years and years ago. Yeah, no, I, it's been a while. The game is sick. Um, but but anyway, uh, there's this really cool mini game in the uh, first big town you come to. Big is, is a spread, but in uh, uh, Windfall, the, the, the nice town you come to, uh, there's this game. It's like Battleship, kind of. And there's this dude in there, and he's just like, uh, there's like, oh, there's a giant squid attacking. Uh, you know, take shots at this battleship board and see if you can kill the giant squid. And when you miss, he goes, sploosh, sploosh. And then he goes, oh, or hit, or, 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 or a kid, or I don't know what he says when it's good, but it, but you hear sploosh way more often. So anyway, uh, the uh, uh, Umbrella Corps hit with a very minor sploosh. Um, Really recently, I didn't hear a peep out of that game. All anybody seems to want to talk about is Resident Evil 7 on the horizon, and I don't blame that them. looks amazing. It really it does. does. Have you guys seen any more about it that's got you even further hyped ever since, like, the VR and that original trailer? You know, or go, go ahead, Kelsey. Oh, no, I'm just, there was a new trailer, and it just solidified the hype around it. It actually does look like more of a survival horror game than it does, like, the action-y kind of horror that they were going with, especially in, like, 6 and... Actually, well, six, six and five, I guess, would be the ones. But it, it looks definitely back to basics. I guess would be the word, the, the, my word choice. Yeah, I, I've I've seen the trailers, and it, it's very much. And uh, I think it was IGN had an article where it was very like how Resident Evil Seven is holding things close to the vest, and it really is. It's it's setting the mood, but it's still hard to gauge what exactly it's going to be, which I yeah. like. It's it's interesting because you know with a lot of things like 
you know, you could try to you could try to recreate Resident Evil Four, and it seems like they've tried to do that and also like evolve with the times. And both efforts to do that, you know, we're we're, we're met with mixed success. Especially, it's all about who you ask. You know, five and six. Um, but you know, to really recreate, if you want to go back to like the original source material, Resident Evil One and Two, and maybe Nemesis, um, and Op- and and Veronica, those four games. Like, if you go back and try to play them, I mean, they have the tank controls. They feel really archaic. But there are certain things that are fundamental about those that are not as true of four, five, and six. You know, like the idea of you're really limited on supplies, and you really need to avoid things more than anything. And they're really much slower paced games, and and much more about puzzles than they are about action um and so you know if you want to go it, it, so I, I guess the challenge would be in the modern age if they want to try to go for that source material and recreating that in the modern age you kind of have to do what other games that have successfully uh put out modern you know things that, that you know keep the roots alive of a game but but also evolve the you know the the equation or evolve what the game is and so it looks like seven to me so far is taking a lot of those concepts into the new era um, it's like, what do you know, how do we do hiding from monsters in the new era? Cause there's a lot of hiding, it seems like in, in the trailer and a lot of, you know, sort of sneaking around and, and that type of survival horror, which is interesting. It's much more reminiscent of the early Resident Evils. I mean, I'm all for that. I like playing survival horror games. Um, I, I, Kelsey and I have a history of playing them together. Sometimes we did, you know, Deadly Premonition, Silent Hill Downpour, uh, Eternal Darkness, uh, which is a little more actiony, admittedly, but it, God, it's, that game's good. Yeah, it's fun to play those types of games, and it, I'm Alexandra Royfus. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that Resident Evil's going back to its roots a little bit. Actually, it's more less than its roots, more Silent Hill's roots. But it is interesting. Yeah, you know what? That always reminds me of every time I think about you know hiding rather than fighting. I always think about how I wanted to play more of Shattered Memories and never did. You know that Wii game? Yeah, the Wii one. Oh, yeah. I, I watched someone play. I watched a Let's Play on that. I always wanted to play that one because it seemed interesting. Because, yeah, it was definitely more hiding from the enemies than it was actually taking them on or running say, away from them. I wouldn't even say more than. I think you had no way to fight. Yeah, don't think, I don't think you did. No, there was, yeah, like, those chase run. sequences and stuff like that. Yeah, I think you always had to run away. Which is cool. And also, um, it, it did the thing that, you know, heavy uh, – not heavy rain um, – what was the game this year that that I really like? Until Dawn. Until Dawn, yeah, yeah. That Until Dawn did, where where it you know psychoanalyzes you in in between scenes, and then takes those answers and and you know molds the game you know accordingly. Uh, uh, Until Dawn didn't really do much with the answers, but apparently uh, Shattered Dimensions really did. Like apparently that was a very customizable experience based on your responses, and like literally the worlds you'd be in would change colors and themes based on your answers. How cool is that? Pretty cool no, that, 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 that was really cool. I, I always wish more games would implement those kind of things because it was supposed to base it off of like what would scare you the most, which I think is really that's right. cool. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but, that's that's interesting. Yeah, Go ahead, man. but no, yeah, Resident Evil Seven looks good. The new footage looked good, and that kind of transitions us pretty naturally into news. Yeah, let's uh, do you it. Know, we're gonna go news, then what we've been playing as we always do, and then end with our main topic. So uh, yeah, should be fun. Beautiful. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it's it's Gamescom right now. Is it Gamescom or Tokyo Game Show? Gamescom. Gamescom. To- Tokyo Gamescom. Game Show is in September, and the reason I know that especially this year is because that's when we're supposedly going to find out about NX, which is like, I'm on pins and needles. Yeah, okay. So yeah, Gamescom, a bunch of stuff is out of there. Not all this news is from, ga- well, 
a good a bit of this news is, is from Gamescom. Is, yeah. uh, we'll start with all of that, which, again, is most of it. Uh, this one is probably a bummer for Rich. Final Fantasy XV has been delayed from September to the end of November. It is not a bummer for you? I'm I I'm pretty indifferent on I've been I've said this for a while now I'm pretty indifferent on Final Fantasy 15. First of all, by the way, I say when I say not a bummer for you, I don't mean to imply it is for me because actually I don't mind if they need to take four more months at this point or six more months at this point, and it's going to be the game that I'm waiting for. I'm fine with that. That's I mean, always I, yeah. I mean, it's a good thing. As I, I've gotten older as a gamer, I've gotten much more patient. Um, you know, think Mankind Divided, uh, the new Deus Ex game, like that game took forever. They were dark on it for like four years and then finally like two years ago announced it and then it's got delayed like earlier this year for six more months or at least a couple more months. I mean, it was delayed and, and it wasn't even announced till three years into development. So it's been a five year wait on the sequel for that. And that's a good thing because so far the early buzz is that the game is absolutely phenomenal and, and you know that's the way to do it because two years ago it wouldn't have been probably no two months can do a lot i always go back to i watched a video by uh, stop skeletons from fighting which is a youtuber i really like and what he does is a series where he kind of looks at weird obscure little things and he did a whole playthrough of the res really on resident evil today he did a whole playthrough of the resident evil 4 demo that came out basically from a a second to last draft of the game like two months before release and all of the little things that are different are big deals when you when you look at what the final product ended up being. I can't remember every single thing, but one of the big ones is the knife that was just, you know, the shoulder button on that. You used to have to equip the knife separately, and that's such a small thing, but would completely change the pace of it. So they can do a lot in two months that could ultimately change the score completely on the final game. And, and uh, in this case, uh, Tabata has come out, director of the game Tabata has come out to say that the real uh, issues here were... Uh, one, um, to do a final bug pass and, uh, you know, making sure optimization pass so the game runs more smoothly, has less bugs and glitches, um, and, and all of those, and, you know, technical issues. But also, number two, to really get the balancing right. Because I think a big key for them is when you put 10 years in developing a game and the kind of money and commitment and expectations that this game has, um, you really have to follow through. And so they want this game to feel great, but also to be accessible for new players. So what they were saying was, you know, they, they really want it to be a game that, you know, obviously there's going to be challenge in it. They also want it to be easy, not accessible and ready to get into. So I think that's good. Because all these, I'll, I'll be honest, like a lot of these, I, they're, they're a bit intimidating at first. And if they want to ease me into it, now I don't mean like Final Fantasy thirteen where it takes twenty hours. Oh my god. But if they're <laughs> gonna ease but if they want to ease me into it for a couple hours, really teach me these mechanics. Because I'm always a little bit intimidated by like games like this. Like uh, I'll give you a great example, Final Fantasy twelve. It took me like four false starts to get into that game. Because the idea of like basically it's basically an MMO that's not online. You know, yeah, um, and 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 you know, with this wide open area, and you can attack, and it's when you open it up and give me that many options, because you know, when you're turn based, you you choose from options. Maybe there's 30 options in any one place, but it's really you know, fight, flee, magic, spell. I mean, fight, flee, magic, item, and and that's really it. When you have this, but then when you when you go to the Final Fantasy 12 thing, and really what 15 is as well, you can run anywhere, you can do anything. And at that point, it gets really intimidating and scary to me. So I'm hoping they really give me a good entree into that game. And it sounds like that's what they're going to try to do, as well as you know make make the combat really even and not have difficulty spikes and stuff. So I'm for all for all of that. I uh, I don't know. I I think I think no matter what, Final Fantasy 15's uh, fighting an uphill battle to get awareness and to get people to care. I mean that's 
it, it's Final Fantasy know, is a series that's fallen a bit into irre- irrelevance in recent years. I mean, yeah, but like that that E three demo. Did you watch the E three demo where they that boss battle thing where they had to like take out that hand? Like I saw on Twitter about that and being able to act like looking forward to having like tea battle of trying to take on this like giant titaned thing. I don't even know what it was, but it looked awesome. It made me much more excited for it because I was kind of eh on Final Fantasy fifteen. I'm going to make a prediction right now. This game is going to be an absolute smash hit. And not only that, but I have evidence to point to, and that is that they released uh, a $270 collector's edition that doesn't even include a season pass for the season pass content. All it has is a a Noxus or whatever his name is, Noctus statue. That's not even that big, like a Play Arts Noctus statue and a freaking 150-page art book and a couple little trinkets. And it's $270 for this collector's edition. They had thirty thousand available, and they sold out in thirty minutes. Well, that's so, that's a good sign. I mean, irrelevance. I don't know, man. I mean, people are pretty pumped. irrelevance with mainstream. That that's the Maybe. bigger problem. We'll we'll see if it finds an audience. For me, going back to the original thing, I'm just not excited for this game because I haven't enjoyed what I've played of it. And granted, they've probably polished it a lot. I'll see what the reviews are. And you never know when a game when it, I I've had many games that have come to release, and I've decided to drop the money on it. But there are also games where I don't, so we'll, we'll see on this one. I'm just, I'm skeptical because I really didn't enjoy that first demo. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. I understand. I think I enjoyed it more than you did, but at the same time, like, you know, there's, that game has a lot to prove, especially with this. I, I, I still don't, I mean, they're trying to get, like, what did you say that the theme of this one is? Brotherly love or something like that? It's, it's, but basically that it's bros in a convertible. And am I really pumped to hang out with four bros in a convertible? One of the things that I always enjoy about the the Final Fantasy series is the female character in a huge way. And so it's it's going to be weird. I know there are female characters, but there aren't any in that in that convertible. That's for sure. <laughs> that's true. It's going to be inter- it's going to be interesting. Uh, what do you, do you have you ever played any of the Final Fantasies, uh, uh, Kelsey? You probably have, and you've told me. I just forget. You know, I played through. I played seven, ten, ten to. Uh, 12, and uh, I didn't finish 13, but I got halfway through 13. What's your take uh, on the whole series, and where are you right now with it? Um, I mean, like, I was never the biggest Final Fantasy fan. Like, I, lo- like, I love 7 for what it was and everything, and I, I probably am on the minority of liking 10, 10 too, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Final Fantasy was just never, I don't know, role-playing games were never really my, my big thing, and... I did play the demo episode Duske or whatever it was called. Dusky, apparently. Apparently. Dusky. Whatever. Yeah, I know. I figured some episode these guys. <laughs> these guys. Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> exactly nice. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily thrilled with it, but the Titan battle from the E3 demo looked really cool, and it definitely got got me a little more interested in it. Oh. And yeah. I'll be honest, I'll tell you what will probably happen this fall, is uh, much like last year, there's always games where neither one of us are that excited, but we're like, if one of us buys one and the other buys the other, we can like kind of recoup our losses. So that'll probably, that, Final, that's, Final, Fantasy, Final Fantasy 15 is the perfect candidate for that sort of setup. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, the less said about that, the better. They right. don't care! He keeps all right. saying. All right, all right. Anyway, um, cool. So uh, that's Final Fantasy. Um, we'll we'll see how that plays out, but uh, I don't mind waiting. I'm cool with it. There's there's a lot of good games. In fact, we are considering doing our next episode, looking forward to all of the big games of fall or big and small games, and uh, you know talking about what we 
what we think about them, what we're excited about, what we're not excited about. Um, we may do that for our next episode. So it seems likely. Um, I'm. Yeah. I, I think I'm a little cooler looking forward. I've looked forward a few times. I, there's not a whole whole lot I'm super excited about, but but maybe maybe an in depth discussion could build the hype. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, dude. Let's do it. Let's get you pumped for some stuff. Anyway, well, I, let's I, I, go ahead. Let's transition to a game that I'm still having a hard time. Well, again, I go back and forth on this one too. Titanfall two uh, is currently in beta while we're recording this, but none of us are playing it. We don't have any comments on that. But apparently the single player is coming together, so that's something. Yeah, so the single player supposedly looks really good in this game. Um, from what I've seen, it looks it looks awesome. I think they learned a really hard lesson with Titanfall 1 in that it's true that games like Halo live and die on their multiplayer, and their multiplayer is what gives a game that comes out in December of one year relevance. Two, two years later, people are still playing it. It's still... People are still buying it. There's a reason. And and then what, what, what game developers do is they'll say, hey, everybody that buys Call of Duty, only 10% of them are finishing the campaign. Maybe we don't need a campaign. But that's not true. You've got to have a campaign. And the reason you got to have a campaign is because it allows you to give the tone of the game and the world building to people. Even if they don't finish the campaign, they still usually start the campaign, get to know the characters, get to know the way the game works, get to know the world. Call of Duty is a little different because it's always, you know, at this point they're all pretty similar, but even even this most recent Call of Duty game, like, if you play the campaign, it teaches you about the wall running and all the little cybernetic abilities and all that. And then when you go into the game, it just feels like so much more colored and colorful of a world. And Titanfall 1, you, they had this fake campaign, but there was no campaign. They admitted that. And that, that not not having a campaign prevented people like me from a buying the game, but b from getting into the game. And and I think that they know that now, and they're really putting a lot. I mean, it's a fifty-fifty this time. They're doing an awesome campaign apparently. That's going to really. And what's really cool too is they're not just saying, "Well, we have this really cool idea of Titans." That's the whole hook. Instead, it looks like they're bringing dinosaurs in and shit. It was. <laughs> Did you guys see this footage? I have I not. No, I didn't see the footage. Um, I read about, about some of the new modes, and that got me a little excited. Bounty Hunter definitely sounds interesting to me. What's it's the new deal mo- there? Bounty Hunter is, um, it, 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 I think from what I read, that you're set up against AI, like an AI team, mm-hmm. and you collect points. And you're, like, it's kind of like, um, oh my gosh, what's it called? From Bulletstorm. Gears of War. No, from Gears of, Gears of War. The, like, hor- yeah, the Horde mode. Okay. And there's waves. And you defeat the waves. But in order to capitalize on all the points you have, you have to deposit them. And so if you die, you like lose all your points. So you're, you're kind of screwed. But so at the, end, at the end of each wave, you have to go to like this little hub and then you deposit your points. And then, you know, it, it accrues to a, a higher thing. But if you die, you lose all your points. So it's kind of like, I, I don't know, it seemed really interesting to me. And also I liked the fact that it was like a... And AI. I, I always like horde modes in games. I do, too. They're, they're really fun. I do, too. Firefight's great. Horde mode's great. I like those, too. I, but, or, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that was it. That was, But, you know, that, that got me a little bit more excited because, like, Tankful had, like, what, four modes? And, like, one of which I, I hated you playing. You played Team so. Deathmatch. That's the, you know, I <laughs> that, that's team the way you play. That's, yeah. For me, I, I disagree a little with the sentiment that you can't, you have to have a single player. I don't think that is entirely true. I think what you need is if you're not going to do a single player, you need to be insanely tight and compelling and just like through the roof, like perfect 10 gameplay. I think for a lot of people, that's what Call there's of Duty does. One, there's one game that does that. That's, that's what, what Team Overwatch. Fortress 2 and Overwatch do. 
And, you know, look, I, I'm not saying that a campaign isn't important, but Titanfall 1's gameplay was not as compelling, and it failed to deliver on what it was supposed to as far as the promise of Titans. Really? I, yeah, no, we've said this many times. It is more fun in that game to not be in a Titan than it is to be in a Titan, and that's It's a actually problem. more beneficial, too, because, like, once yeah. you hit level 18, you get this Titan core that makes your Titan, like, amazing when you're not in it. And so it's just like, you just set your Titan up, have it in defense mode, and you just pop around it while people try to kill oh, it, and yeah. you're shooting them with your smart pistol. You've like, discussed all of that, and that's all true. I, I, I know that that's true, but what I, what I don't think is that, that people didn't think that it was a really like groundbreaking and fun game to play. Everyone always said it was, mechanically. I, I don't know. I didn't think it had staying power. I guess my, my point is, I don't think having a campaign would have made Titanfall 2 a longer-lasting title. I think, Titanfall 1, you mean? Yeah, Titanfall 1. I don't think a campaign is the problem there. I think it was that people just weren't as compelled by the content they were given, and it, again, was a sort of what they were promised is not what you get. The parkour and verticality and movement of the regular soldier was just way more fun to play as, but it wasn't so fun as to be... Well, it wasn't so fun as to be all that different, because, again, the selling point was the Titan. That's what was supposed to set the game apart. But instead, you get a game that, in a lot of respects, plays like Call of Duty. And for a lot of people, they might as well just keep playing Call of Duty, because that's what they know and love. But what I'm saying is, if that was if that's the case, why did, why did Respawn, you know, basically make fun of the game this time single player, if that didn't hurt them last time? I mean, people, because people did want a single player, and I think... You're not going to get repeat customers, given how quickly Titanfall died. I don't think that just another multiplayer game would have the pull they need to justify making the game at this point. I see what you mean. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Because it's like, well, I mean, if you want Titans fighting, go play Titanfall. You know, it already exists. I get what you're saying. Now, it's a way to differentiate from the first skew. That's a yeah. good point. Now, my hope is that the Titans will be more fun to play as this time. Around. I think the whole game is going to be awesome. I mean, they've had now, I mean, before they had two years, and they were kind of like trying to do a fuck you to Infinity Ward. Now they just don't give a shit. One of the main guys, Vincent Zampella, is gone. Uh, it's just one of the dudes. If he's even still there, um, it's like it's like all the all the all the bitterness is gone, and all it's about has been like four years or three years, so a total of five years to just make the best Titanfall game they can with a great single player campaign. What it sounds like, I didn't know about Bounty Hunter, but it sounds like a great horde mode, and uh, and 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 a, you know a, a killer online that hopefully um, achieves the goals you're talking about, Jordan. I hope it yeah, does. We'll see. I'd love to see them succeed really royally. I know that game sold well, like you said, though. It just didn't have the staying power. Yeah. Uh, so there was Titanfall 2 stuff. Uh, there, The game, th this is a small one, Injustice had, surprise, surprise, given a certain movie that came out a week ago, they announced Harley Quinn and Deadshot will be playable characters in no, Injustice 2. Not uh, Harley. Well, she was sort nobody of, she's a returning. Harley. Yeah, nobody. Uh, she... <laughs> She was a returning character that everyone sort of expected. Uh, what was funny, uh, former co-host Tim and I were talking about it, and he said it looked suspiciously like Deadshot had a lot of the exact same moves as Deathstroke from the first game. And he's, he's, he thinks it might be a reskin just for popularity. And I, in my mind, I'm like, that would make sense. They're, they're pr fairly similar characters. So I wouldn't be too surprised if it's basically the same character there. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I wish I could get more into fighting games. It's one of those real blind spots that, that I have. And I always bum me out because unlike sports games where I really could give a shit, uh, fighting games look fun. Like, I think I could really enjoy them. I always wanted to get into Blaze or Blaze Blue, whatever you, it's called. Blaze Blue? Blaze Blue, yeah. No, I, I, honestly, Blaze Blue and really, really Injustice, um, what they're doing, that both on Mortal Kombat and Injustice, they've done a good job of giving a solid 
Uh, maybe a little corny, but it's superhero comics slash Mortal Kombat. But very solidly told story through a pretty solid campaign mode. So I think even, even Mortal Kombat just... did that, didn't it? Yeah, I think Amazingly. Kelsey can speak to that more than How I can. How do you make people yeah. give a fuck about Mortal Kombat? Tell me, Kelsey. No, Mortal Kombat Nine. I don't even. It was the dumbest premise for it was basically like you have to basically like travel through time to stop like you know the world from being ended but i don't know it was just compelling and you you felt like the characters actually were characters and like had like a backstory than just like mindless people punching each other so it kind of gave you like an invested interest of like like a human on earth trying to make sure you know it's hell portal thing. I don't know. But you know, it's the corniest story. It's been told so many times. And I'm not even saying that it was, it wasn't told, like it was told decently. It wasn't told well, but it just, it gave you something in a fighting game that you just don't really normally have. Because normally it's just like, I hate you. I hate you too. I'm punching the face. And then you punch them in the face. And that's about it. But now it's kind of like, you know, you're a human trying to protect Earth. And I don't know. It was, it was good. It was much more fun. No, no, I love Mortal Kombat 9, and I was telling Jordan because Mortal Kombat and Portal 2 came out at the same time. I was like, no, 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 play Mortal Kombat. And then he did, because I, I think I let you borrow it. And we were, like, surprised. I was surprised. I still think Portal was. 2 was the better pick there. But oh, I'm not saying that Portal 2 <laughs> is, that Portal Kombat 9 is a better game than Portal 2. But they're different. They're different. They're yeah. Different. But, yeah. It, but it was a lot of fun. I, I am really remiss that I didn't play Mortal Kombat 10. At some point, I'd like to go back and play it. Um, just because it's a solid fighting game. And I, I, I've always played Mortal Kombat, even when I was younger. <laughs> so, I love the characters. Oh, wow. I thought you were talking about Mortal Kombat 10. <laughs> oh, That's no. All Mortal the way Kombat back. 9. Yeah. All right. All righty. Well, justice. Interesting. All right. Uh, next up. I got another superhero piece we can throw in. Yeah, there. I was going to say, there's the Supergirl. Yeah. All right. So this is a weird story, and I don't get the strategy behind this at all, but it is interesting. So uh, everybody knows LEGO Dimensions, and I want to ask you guys what you think about LEGO Dimensions in a second because I'm kind of interested, and I have a little reason for asking. But so they recently announced that LEGO Dimensions, which I didn't realize this, but that game is living on, and they've been putting out content to support it, including they're going to be coming out with a – uh, monsters and where to find them. What is it called? Um, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Fantastic Beasts and Beasts and where to find them. Uh, uh, like uh, level pack, which is going to have mm-hmm. six levels. The level packs in the past have had one level. These are going to there's gonna be two of them, and they're going to have six levels each. So that is that one, and then there's also a. Don't laugh because female Ghostbusters <laughs> is the other one. No, that's cool. I, I just I had a dumb little thought. What is it? It's this is absolutely tangential. <laughs> But when you said Fantastic Beasts, I misheard it, uh, and I heard like Fantastic Beats, and I was thinking that sounds like what MC Frontalot would do as a Harry Potter, like <laughs> Fantastic Beats and Where to Rhyme Them or something like that. Oh yeah, and it was that just the dumbest no, little. No, that's perfect. That's anyway. Perfect. Um, any, no, no, it's cool, man. I was listening to that grammar song he does uh, the other day in the that's car. A good song. It is. Um, but anyway, uh, so um, what is it like? Tis, tis, tis. How does it go? I forget. Tut, tut, that's grammarian. it. Yo, tut, tut, chicky punctuation. That's yeah, it. Yeah, no, I love that song. Oh, that's so it. Awesome, awesome. Making me happy. Okay. Um, so uh, I saw him when I was in uh, San Francisco one time. He's really good live. He is, he's really, really bass-oriented, really good drum, really good beats. But you knew that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, so this game um, is coming out with two new level packs. Ghostbusters, Female is the other one. 
um, uh, later this year. Um, and then they also announced that later this year they're coming out with a new SKU. So up till now, all the starter packs have been uh, just a basic starter pack for $90. comes with Batman minifig, a little Batman car, uh, the Portal of Power, or whatever they call it in this game, um, Wild Style, and Gandalf. And that's those are the characters you get. Well, now they're going to have a new SKU that's going to have Supergirl as a pack-in character, probably instead of Batman, it sounds like. Um, and the, but here's the weird part. You cannot buy her in any kind of extra pack or on her own or for any system but PS4. So the only thing that's coming out is a new starter pack. If you want to play Supergirl, you have to need a new starter pack for new $90 and it's only available on PS4, That's which is really weird. Yeah. Sounds, I mean, not for Lego yet. I, I'm not surprised they're doing it. It sounds business as usual for these sort of games. I'm not too surprised by it. It's a bummer that they're doing it with Supergirl, but again, I, I don't I I don't play Lego Dimensions yet. And uh, while it would be cool to play as Supergirl, I'm not I, I don't I, I don't chase those sort of figures. I mean, Skylanders has done this for several years. They especially did it with the the Nintendo Amiibo crossover oh, figures. I was going to tell you about this too. Yeah, go ahead. But you know, it's it's the sort of thing where it's like. I don't know. It's on one hand, you could say it's trying to make it special, but really, it's it's a cash grab feeling type of thing where it's like you know there are going to be a few hardcore collectors who are going to drop another eighty hundred bucks to get this starter set for one figure. Oh, by the way, you're exactly talking about the story I was about to tell you. So I went into GameStop the other day and I, got, I talked to this guy who has literally every amiibo ever released, and he was like, and he and he looks at me and he goes, "By the way, yes." Before you ask, because I didn't know this, but he goes, before you ask, yes, I do have all the Skylanders exclusive Amiibos as well. And I was like, what? And he goes, yep, even Dark Bowser. So, like, so like, literally this dude bought three different <laughs> copies of Superchargers. Oh, my god! Three copies of Superchargers so that he would have all the exclusive Lego Amiibo characters. Oh, my gosh. And he bought them when there was, like, a buy one, get one on them or something. But still. Oh, that... So that buy one get one, he saved so much oh, money. I mean, it was ridiculous, dude. I mean, he he went. This dude has every freaking amiibo. I mean, the, the dude's insane. This is a dude who bought a uh, like he got a new 3ds with the uh, you know the, the Triforce one that's really cool. It's gold and really mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. And then he it's, and then he proceeds to go and buy like a case to protect it. So now he doesn't get to look at or enjoy his Triforce 3DS at all. But it's completely encased in like a green Triforce case. You know, and it's like, like, you know, I get it, but that's that's the collector mentality. I've I I I I don't know. I've never quite gotten it. I've collected before, but I always like I'm not the sort to keep my Amiibos. The ones I have are open. Same with my pops. If I'm going to get them, I like to have them out and be able to touch them. Um so I don't know. What? To do what? All that value, though. You're losing so much value. You're not losing shit. No, I know. <laughs> so many Amiibos being produced. And, and you know, there was a time when they were scarce. Like, everything Nintendo releases is scarce at first. Even the Wii. Can you imagine the Wii was once scarce? You know, it's the most ubiquitous thing at pawn shops and, and thrift shops everywhere now. Is like broken old Wiis with, like, the, the door on the top broken off, you know? Well, you know. Um, I... and, and, it, and back in the day, man, you couldn't even get one. If I were going to care more, I would. But, you know, I don't I, – I, for me, I, I get that, though. I get where collecting and keeping it mint, there is a certain satisfaction that comes with that. But, you know, even the ones that I get that are even semi-rare – like, I just got the new Marvel Collector Core box, but I, I ripped open the pop in that right away to put onto my shelf. 
So oh, was it, or is that a spoiler? I don't know if Kelsey's gotten it yet. It is a spoiler either way, but oh no! Well, I didn't. I didn't get this. Box, oh, you didn't but get I know this what box. it is. Yeah. No. So it it was just it's. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. I don't know if anyone listening to this. Oh, page. stop! Spoil it. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going to. So <laughs> what? It's I don't want figure to. You're in a box. All right. This is we we you you call spoiler all the time. I get to do it once in a while. On toys in a freaking collector's box. All right. I think eh, it's current. In a month, right. maybe I'll say. All right. All right. In a month, when it's uh, not uh, no longer uh, relevant. Exactly. Now I got to do a Google search. All right. Um, no, no, it's cool. I don't really care. But um, I just cared because you wouldn't tell me. You know, it's one of those things. Um, all right. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So here's what I wanted to get to with the Lego Dimensions thing, though. Um, so today, Best Buy, and it's still going on tomorrow. It'll be too late when this podcast is published. However, Best Buy is doing this 50th anniversary sale. I can't believe Best Buy has been around 50 years. Like maybe one store was Best Buy for the first 25, and then they <laughs> spread because it feels like it's been around for about half that long. But anyway, it's the 50th anniversary this weekend up until Saturday at 11.59 p.m. So um, right now you can get LEGO Dimensions for $44.99 for the for – the, uh, <laughs> For the, for the starter pack. And I'm a Gamers Club Unlocked member, so I got it for thirty five ninety nine today. Oh, wow. That's, That's not nice. Bad. That's not yeah. Imagine that. Like, at that point, it's time to buy LEGO Dimensions. That's I mean, all I got to say. Well, honestly, even if you don't buy a single other thing for it, it's a full campaign. I mean, you're getting a LEGO game out of it, so. That's what I'm all about. Like, I don't want to – I really don't see myself buying a bunch of stuff. I may buy the Fantastic Beasts once I'm really hyped on that because it's six levels and it's like a legit like playable thing but the idea of buying all kinds of fun packs for use in for use only in like adventure mode like that's never been my thing you know oh no I no i would go play in a sandbox with some bobo shit sure i mean in I... any other lego game all i have to do is unlock the characters and i can play with them and in this one i have to buy them you know what i mean it's like it's because the other lego games exist i just can't justify that well you get open worlds to explore it's i mean there are collectibles and things in them but yeah i get it for me i would only get the level packs myself yeah and but the ghostbusters girls one that's coming out did you ever have any interest in this game though jordan that's what i wanted to ask yeah i did i i like lego i like this concept a lot and you know i enjoyed skylanders um, I, it's Lego. It, they've proven themselves for over a decade now as a solid, fun way to spend some time. Um, it's just, it's a money sink. It was always expensive, and I was always just going, you know, they're still releasing mainline Lego games. I mean, Lego Star Wars 7 just came out. I would love to play that, yeah. So, you know, I could get that. But yeah, $35.99 wouldn't be bad. Even $44.99 is not bad. No, so, and yeah. I think Target has it for $41.99. I went up to the front, I was like, I want to price match this $41.99. And then I thought about it for a second, I was like, wait a minute. I remember that you can't, you can't actually, like, like, add your gamer's unlock thing to any other discount so i couldn't take that so i can only get i can only use it like with whatever their sale price was anyway i'm i'm getting in the weeds um also the other thing i picked up and we'll, and i'll talk about this on the next episode after i played it was i got a copy of freaking mirror's edge catalyst it was on sale it was no hold on it was on sale before you before you uh scoff it was on sale for 30 dollars 29.99 and i got it for 23.99 I don't know. I still find that I'm more scoffing at that poor game. That's that's uh, up there with Umbrella Core as a game that is out. No really? one said anything about it. No, I mean, well, maybe maybe it fell off the radar big time. But like, I mean, the reviews were were, were middling. They weren't horrible. They weren't horrible, but it it had the exact same. It, oh, it came out today, and by Friday, people were like, "What?" 
You know what though? Not me, because I remember all the hype. Do you remember like how long we were waiting? Like when you want when every year at E three, like if you read the games press, they all talk about. I wonder if the new Mirror's Edge is going to be announced this year. It was like it was almost it was like half the hype, but but similar to like Shadow of the Colossus, not Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, the Last, Last Guardian. Guardian. Last Guardian. It was similar kind of like level of like, will they announce it this year? Are they going to announce it? It was like every year they'd talk about that. It was that Beyond Good and Evil and Last Guardian, and then. Beyond Good and Evil still hasn't shown up, and Last Guardian's finally coming out this year. We'll see how that goes. And then Mirror's Edge did get announced, and now it's out. And, like, everybody's, like, not giving it any love. And it's like, dude, it looks like a beautiful city. That game looks to me like it's going to scratch the itch or satisfy the, the missing piece in my life that has been left ever since Remember Me was, was finished. Because it's very much like that sort of very French future, like the fu- like Neo-Paris and... And remember me, this this city of glass is very similar to that in that it's very, like, run by the government and very locked down and, you know, all about, like, you know, uh, the politicians running things and very future chic. And I, I don't know. It just looks like a really cool city and a world to explore. It's got a story. I heard it's not great, but we'll see. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Okay. I'm excited to play it. Well, that's cool. For $23.99, you cannot beat it. Eh, a few more months, it'll be on that, like, under 20 bin. So, no. <laughs> but, no, look, if... Damn, dude. All right. I I would try that game, but I didn't love the first Mirror's Edge that much, and it, it, I you know this is one I'll maybe pick up eventually, but I've just nah on it. It's the kind of game where like I could see you getting it at Redbox and like achievement hunting for a weekend. Oh sure, yeah, I I would do that. Um, That kind of game, but one that you might at the end of it say, "Wow, this kind of feels like the next." Uh, I don't want to say that name game of that game. It starts with an S, and you may pick it as one of your underrated games, so I won't mention it now. Um, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Anyway, um, next news story. Oh, wait, Kelsey, real quick. Are you into uh, LEGO games or Dimensions? Yes, no, I love LEGO games. When I saw LEGO Dimensions, I was like, oh, it's a Skylanders that I actually care about. Uh, so yeah. I'm interested in it. It's always just so expensive to get into it. But no, 44 bucks is not bad to get into it. So. Oh, indeed it is not. I just bought a new game, though, so... No, we can't wait to hear thing. about it. Can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> I gotta ask you that at the end once we're done with our list, because I have some S games on here, and I'm just curious now. I'm gonna ask you later. Anyway. Uh, so, the next news story... <clears throat> this was out of a few different events, because they've been releasing videos, it feels like, every week, but one of the... Pokemon Sun and Moon is ramping up for release in a few more months. Exciting. And I, this may be the biggest <clears throat> selling... Pokemon's uh, a mainline DS, 3DS game ever because of the hype generated with Go. I think, yeah, Go is going to help this out a lot. I think it can push some 3DS sales, surprisingly. And uh, this actually feeds into that as well, because one of the among the many new features they've announced, the biggest one, I think, that's made a splash is Alolan form Pokemon. Alola is the new region for Sun and Moon. It's based off of Hawaii. And a few weeks ago, they introduced in a video the concept of basically a regional variant of several famous first-generation Pokemon, and they've introduced a few more over the past couple of weeks. But what this is is they've taken Pokemon like Exeggutor, um, Vulpix and Ninetales, Marowak, Meowth, taken all of these Pokemon and basically redesigned them in a new form that matches the terrain and the regions of Alola, the high mountains, the sunny beaches, all of that. And not only do they look completely different and totally cool, but still the same, uh, they have different typings, which make them completely differently variable or viable in battle. And it's just a really cool concept. It's a way to make new Pokemon 
uh, while still getting people to actually like them. Because a big push is obviously people love the original 150. And they've done evolutions, like the fourth generation introduced evolutions of other Pokemon, like Lickitung evolved into Licky Licky, which is one of my most hated Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for many reasons. Licky Licky, come on yes. now. Uh, and then... Of course, the previous generation for X and Y introduced Mega Evolutions and gave a lot of original Kanto Pokemon uh, new forms. But what this does is takes... It's basically like remixing of a bunch of favorite Pokemon. Uh, and they also did one that Kelsey is a huge fan of, which is Raichu now is a much cuter Pokemon that surfs on its own tail and has picked up the fairy typing in addition to electric... It's an original electric type. It is psychic. psychic <laughs> is it psychic? I thought it was it psychic. fairy. That screech no, it, lied it, to it, 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 it was it, a very tiny... Because he... oh, psychic abilities. That makes sense, although it's Pokemon, so I would just accept that he can fly. <laughs> no, it was his psychic, psychic abilities sense. turned his tail into a serpent. It's so cute, oh my god. But there, You guys are hardcore about this. No, I mean, there are some cool ones. Exeggutor, uh, Alolan Exeggutor stole the internet. Because it took Exeggutor, who was the weird palm tree with coconut heads, and stretched its neck out so it's now a palm tree with coconut heads. And uh, it is it is a silly-looking but very endearing Pokemon. And it picked up dragon typing. So Exeggutor's a dragon now. That makes sense. Totally. Um, it's it's just some funny... Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good way of evolving the franchise. Because they're still introducing a bunch of new Pokemon. But this gives, uh, I think, the best form of, of re purposing nostalgia and i think it's good on top of go i'd like to see other regions i i like the original 150 but i wouldn't mind seeing some other generations of pokemon given alolan forms and i'm sure this is something that'll continue into future games as well but uh, i'm excited for it i i'm very excited for sun and moon there are some other things that came out z moves uh team skull looks cool but the alolan forms probably the coolest thing i think my question that i wanted to ask was uh, uh, Pokemon Go, are you guys still playing it? And what does the evolution of that game look like in your mind? Um, I'm still playing it. It's, a, uh, it's not, it's, it's getting a little bit of hate right now. Is it? Yeah, they, well, the whole fun aspect of Pokemon Go was the Marco Polo effect that you had. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what, like, cause you, so, you know, you would be walking around and then you'd see like a Pokemon plopping nearby and then you click on it. And as you got closer, you know, little feet would disappear until you were right on top of it. And then it was like, oh, hey, Pokemon's here and you find it. Well, they got rid of that because it, was, it wasn't it was working the way they wanted, to, wanted it to. And so, like, they took away a really fun aspect of the game. I still play it and I still have fun playing it. But that hunting is no longer a part of it. See, that sounds like the way to get somebody to run out into traffic is what that sounds like. Because that is – I didn't know that was part of it, but that sounds like a recipe for somebody to be looking at their phone and getting totally absorbed in chasing the Pokemon. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, people still do it anyway yeah. <laughs> and getting into – but that was – I don't know. And they added, like, a new thing, and it's not totally rolled out yet, but where it um, – whenever you go near, like, a Pokestop, it also has a ring of influence, and now the ring of influence and a Pokestop will, like – show you where Pokemon are, so you'll, like, click on a Pokemon, and it'll show a picture of the Pokestop, and then you can click on it, and you're like, oh, it's by that, whatever, that church, or whatever. So then you, like, go up to the church, and then you'll find the Pokemon, and, you know, if you're too late, it'll say that Pokemon has fled, and so th that, that'll that be more interesting when it's actually rolled out to everybody, but, it's, but that hasn't been rolled out yet. So that'll be 
I think that that'll help out too because Pokestops normally aren't in the middle of traffic and things, so you just kind of have to just walk <laughs> towards like the church and just be like, nah, okay. So hopefully yeah. that that brings it back. But yeah, no, a lot of people aren't, and they also upped the um uh chances for Pokemon to break out of Pokeballs because I guess oh, people no, weren't spending enough that. money. <laughs> So what used to take like one to two Pokeballs might take like four or five and you only get like, a, like if you're really lucky, you'll get six from a place, but normally you only get three items from your Pokestop. So it's like, so a lot of people um, kind of turned on it a little bit, but they're still the diehards and I still like playing it. And uh, while I was in Pennsylvania, I was so excited because like, I found new Pokemon I haven't been able to find here in North Carolina. Oh, so I was wow. like. <laughs> really excited. Well, you know, the thing is, too, there's a really tough balance there. Because when I first heard about the game and how much Jordan was able to do without spending any money at all, and I was like, wow, like this is a game where, I mean, as popular as it is, it seems like they're leaving money on the table. Not that I think they needed to be greedier, but that I know companies, and I was like, man, this does not seem like they're like making as much money as I would expect the average company to want to make off a game like this. And so it sounds like they are like saying, hmm, we have millions of people playing this and we're only making $10 billion. Why aren't we making $30 billion? Our stakeholders want to know, you know? I don't know. It yeah. seems inevitable. What no, I, I think it was. But, I mean, there's still been, like, there's egg incubators you can buy because you have, like, an infinite one. Then you have ones that are only for three uses. And, you know, that was making a lot of money and lucky eggs so that you could um, level up faster were selling. I don't know. I feel like there were other ways. Yeah. To do it, and that the Pokeball thing is just more annoying. Because also, maybe because like you know, whenever you have a Great Ball or an Ultra Ball, you're like, oh, this will catch things Pokemon better because it's the next. But even they are terrible still to catch Pokemon. It still takes a while. So that that cheated. Like Pokeballs, I'm I'm totally okay with because Pokeballs in the real Pokemon game, even like you know, a Pidgey would take like four or five balls sometimes. But like when I throw like three Great Balls at a Pidgey, I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> no, that's just frustrating and, and annoying. That no, no, I completely agree with you. That's unacceptable. If you're gonna have, if you're gonna have a game, no, that's not cool. If you're gonna have three degrees of Pokeballs, and even the top, the one that's supposed to like absolutely catch anything, still isn't catching easy shit. That's just frustrating and stupid, and you're fucking up your lore. Mm -hmm. It's just not right, and, and it's going to frustrate people. W w along with those different tiers of Pokeballs, I understand what you're. If I understand what you're saying correctly, I'm not a big fan. Um, is that like there's expectations that go with? Like it's like I've heard people talk about game design, and they're like the expectation of a shotgun is if you're close to someone and you put that shotgun in their gut, they're dead. One mm -hmm. hit, they're dead. Oh, it seems like the expectation that comes along with a giant Pokeball, or whatever the biggest, what is it called? The Ultra Ball. The Ultra Ball is, it catches everything, no problem, you know? And it's like, that's not happening, that's not right, so. Yeah, no, Dylan had like a low-level combat power Pikachu break free out of four Ultra Balls and then run away, and it's there like, you go. that's not. complete fairness to Laura, an Ultra Ball is really only like two times the capture rate. Or maybe four I mean, times, but that, I mean, no, no, I, I, I understand, it's frustrating, you shouldn't be, an Ultra Ball should be able to catch a Pidgey. Exactly, exactly. Or that poke, or that Pikachu you're talking about. Yeah. Are they selling just, Master Balls? I feel like that would be a thing they'd sell. I don't, no, they're not selling Master Balls. You can only buy Pokeballs. You can get Great Balls and Ultra Balls, well, Ultra Balls you get from level 20 up, you unlock those. But you get Great Balls yeah, and Ultra Balls from Pokestops. So. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, you can only buy Pokeballs. Oh, so. really? Yeah, you can only buy Pokeballs. You can't buy uh, Great Balls or Ultra Balls. That's interesting. Why not? They go fast. I mean, people are going to buy them, so. 
I no, I well, I feel like people would buy more great balls. Like I feel like that would be the one that you should sell or, or sell ultra ball. But then because it's also like a level thing, like it's like oh well, you're level twenty now, you can use ultra balls. Well, then make them so sell, can, make them available to purchase when you're level twenty. I don't know. No, I yeah, I don't know how that would all work, but I don't know. I, I, I don't well, know. you know what? At the same time, I'm not even going to try to get into the mind of of a of a, a mobile app marketer. A, a free-to-play marketer because I don't even want to get into that twisted headspace because if I did, I may I may pull a gun on myself <laughs> because it's just like if I, when I think about people in Zynga with spreadsheets figuring out how to fleece like eight-year-old kids out of money, you know, uh, it, it just it, it me it chills me to the bone. It really mm-hmm. does, you know, the, the different ways that they try to like get people, not even little kids, even just adults, you know, to try to just just get spend five more dollars or how do we raise the, you know, and they have all these like acronyms for like, you know, anyway, I don't want to even think about it, but it's creepy. I hate free to play. <laughs> anyway, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I've ra- I've ranted against free to play a lot. I do not like it, Sam. I am. <laughs> What's next, Jordan? Uh, next up, we've got. Uh, No Man's Sky was released. Oh, yeah. This is weird that none of us... Well, actually, none of us have PS4s, do we? (laughs) It's it's like for PS4 and... Yeah, my computer could not handle that. I never know. PC games are weird like that. There could be super low settings. You wouldn't be getting the most out of the game, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the reason I wanted to bring this story up was because this game... Um, has been ever since three years ago, I believe it was three years ago, at the VGAs. They had a, and it was very weird because, you know, the developer, I think, is it, um, uh, who makes this game? Um, oh, good They question. talked about it so much. I almost, uh, it's the people who do Joe Danger, though. Um, and, and their previous game was Joe Danger, and now they're making this game. And this game is just like 10 or 50, really 50 levels of magnitude more complex. In fact, if you think about it, it's, 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 it's scope is so vast. I mean, the idea behind it, if people have been hiding under a rock, the idea behind this game is that there is an infinite universe of planets in this game. And you are, you like wake up in the first day, like on one of these planets, and you have to sort of gather resources, build your ship, and fly out from planet to planet to planet till you finally reach the center of the solar system. And the idea is that there are 18 quintillion different possibilities for planets. And what and it got announced like close to launch that there's only like it's only like a seven gigabyte game. So what what's really like miraculous about it is that one of the guys at at the Joe Danger developer. It's um, Hello Games. Hello Games. Thank you. One of the one of the guys at hello games dave stevens i think is his name i just just hit me um he created this like algorithm or like this math that allowed him it was like when they were working on joe danger 2 they 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 thought up he had like a side project to think of like how could i make like infinite universes that just like create themselves procedurally generated and he cracked it and then he built this game around it well the game has been hyped for two and a half almost three years PlayStation because it was going to be a PS4 exclusive just like jumped on the band just jumped on it and has been hyping it and hyping it and hyping it as if it's a AAA you know polished perfect game and Hello Games is a 12 person studio I mean that's the reality and ever since I heard about this I was like boy I don't know how this is going to work out because I can't imagine they're making a game of the scope that these that this hype is is leading to I mean this game was so hyped that when the when the delay was announced they, they announced they were going to delay it a couple weeks. And, like, the guy who announced it on Kotaku got death threats from people. It was a big to-do. He got death threats because 
you know, people were so pissed and wanted to blame the messenger. They were like, you fucking asshole, it's your fault, it's delayed, and blah, 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 blah. I mean, people were, are that insane about this game. I don't get it, because I was never that excited. But people are that excited. Well, anyway, jump forward to this past week, and it was released. Or two weeks ago, actually, it was released. And um, the reviews, not so nice. Um Everybody says it's it's technically absolutely masterful. Everybody says that it's just a, a marvel in the fact that there's 18 quintillion planets and, you know, they're all unique and there's animal life that you'll see that no other player will ever see. And you get to name the life forms you discover, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But as people have played it, I think a lot of the problems with procedurally generated content have come to the surface, one of which being – it's just seven gigs of computer code. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not the same as having like an artificial intelligence that literally creates, you know, brand new, fascinating, cool characters out of whole cloth. It's procedurally generated. So it's, it's not like a creative game designer is designing all of these creatures for 18 quintillion planets. It's just like, Probably 18 or 20 creatures were designed, and then there's variations on those same 18 to 20 creatures. I mean, that's got to be it. Oh, yeah. No, uh, there's a really funny thing that was floating out on Twitter, and it was like they showed the E3 demo, and like you're on this planet, and you see this like Brachiosaurus, like dinosaur, and they start playing the Jurassic Park theme, and then all of a sudden they cut to the actual gameplay, and there's just this, like, derpy-looking T-Rex. <laughs> it's like the kazoo version of, like, now, brah, 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 brah. and it, I died. But, that, no, you're exactly right. It's like they've made 20 things, and then they're, they're like, mix and mash it together, and it was it was the derpiest-looking T-Rex oh, I gotta see thing. I've I have heard it. I've heard someone else describe it, but not nearly as well as you just did. Oh, no, it was, it was like, because you're like, it's like, welcome to Jurassic Park, Da-na-na. and then it cuts to the actual game, and it's like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and it, I, I almost saw my chair laughing. I've, I've have it. I retweeted it on Twitter. It, it's, it's beautiful. But no, but no, you're exactly right. They made like 20 things. I mean, it's probably more than that. But yeah. and then they, they have to like plug and play together. And you're not going to get the prettiest looking animals when you do that kind of stuff. Right. It, and, so. and it's also what people are finding because of certain like technical realities of games. Like I've read a lot of reviews of it because I'm just fascinated by the subject of, you know, hype meets reality meets this brand new game experience that's never been tried before. You know, and so it, what's really and what 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 the, a lot of game what a lot of developers are saying is like there's these these storage pods on every planet because as a game necessity there has to be because you'd run out of storage space and you'd never be able to evolve in the game because you're limited with how much you can hold so there has to be like a basically like a bin like in Monster Hunter there's like a you have like a chest you can store stuff in because you can't hold everything well. When you're on a planet walking around this expansive planet that's just random, they have to every so many miles or whatever have these storage pods because otherwise, you, you know, you'd, you'd have no way to like build up the number of resources you'd need to really progress in the game. I, I just repeated myself, but the but the point is, it's been a really like it breaks the illusion of of, the, of these planets being unique, and you start to be able to put the wires, uh, you know, underneath the 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 wireframe or whatever you start to be able to see like the the strings from the puppets because you understand like you see what i'm saying like you see through what's going on yeah it's like the wizard of oz you see behind the curtain exactly it's a much better analogy exactly and so you know there's a lot of things like that in this game where it's just like there's this awesome concept and it's so much potential but then another thing about it is that the game is and i always wondered this i was like okay so it's it does all this stuff and they say there's combat on the ground they say there's combat in space it's an infinitely exploration game it's all this stuff but then the question becomes what 
do you do? What do you do? You know? And apparently that's the big problem with this game. Or there's two really big fundamental problems. The first problem is what do you do? You have this beautiful world, or at least potential for a beautiful world, but there's nothing compelling to do in it mechanically. The shooting's not that fun. I mean, the space combat's not that fun. All of that stuff is... Is, is just – it's just not that fun. And then the other big complaint that the people have with it is the fact that it, it's, it's really more of a research resource management game, much more closer to like Don't Starve mm-hmm. than, than it is to like a space shooter like people kind of wanted because it's much more like, oh, you're on a planet with a, a inhospitable environment. You need to soup up your suit. No, oh, it keeps dwindling down. You got to keep your eye on that. Keep your eye on your stamina. Keep your eye on your blaster fuel. Keep your eye on this and this and this and this. Next thing you know, nobody's having any fun. So it's really not very mainstream in its systems, and it's just really turning a lot of people off. So what you ended up with basically is a game that was supposed to be like a 10.5 out of 10, and it's getting all sixes. And it's just really interesting as a case study. What do you guys think? Um, I don't know this. I don't know why anyone is surprised. This is exact. It sounds like it's the exact game it's looked like for three years. Like that was always my thing. I was like, okay, you explore planets. What else do you do? And they never, they never, not once, really said anything except no, you explore planets. Uh, you take off, you go to space, you land on planets, you explore them. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's a big genre. I mean, I think. Uh, Tycho from Penny Arcade in his blog post about it made a very good point about how his kids are huge Minecraft uh, Minecraft fans, and for them this game is just like next level fun because it's very similar in terms of survival and resource gathering and just there there's an element to it. So for those types of gamers, I think this game is perfect, and I've seen those sort of people on Twitter really praising it. Um, and I think I would enjoy it for a while. Uh, I think the lack of co-op is what would hurt it more than anything because... This seems like the sort of game that would be a lot of fun to do with people, but I know the idea is everyone's going to explore their own planets and have their own unique experience. But I don't know. I I, I was never that excited because to me they, they never – like for three years now, it's been the same game they've been showing. And it's not like a – you know, it's not like a it, – it's it's – it's what it is. I don't know why anyone is surprised that there's not more to it because at no point did they ever make an effort to make they they weren't being deceitful, I don't think. They they were very no. much like it's an exploration game. You explore planets. No, the problem that occurred there was just PlayStation. I think people all agree like Sony took this game and championed it and raised the hype machine up like a hundredfold to a point that no 12-person studio could ever meet. And and a lot of people are saying that what would be really great is if they had like a triple A AAA team of 300 or 400 developers working with this tech how great that game could be you know yeah i mean i I understand that i i think the base level of what they always wanted to do is there and maybe a sequel slash another development cycle or whatever this seems like the sort of game that's tailor-made for updates i don't know if they are they are doing that yeah they are planning free updates for a long long time um but i don't know i mean in this day and age it's, it's, it's really interesting. It actually brings up another interesting subject that I've been thinking about, and that is the most recent Hitman downloadable piece came out, number four, which I think is like Marrakesh or, or, or what is it, Singapore or something like that. It's some hotel in Singapore or something like that. Thailand, Thailand, a hotel in Thailand. And what's really smart about it, at first when I saw that they were doing um, Hitman as like, a, as like an episodic game, I was like, really? That seems like a really odd choice for, for that type of game. But as it's come out, I've realized the genius of it because every month there's a front page story about the new Hitman level and everybody's reviewing it and it, and it, and it hits the news cycle front and center 
every month. Whereas the other Hitman games, they had a loyal following of people, but if you didn't buy it on day one, the hype was gone, if it ever even started for those games. It's really, really smart to release things episodically because you get five or six or seven reviews instead of just one. And that's the thing about No Man's Sky. Like, it's really cool that it may have legs, but I feel like after this huge hype and somewhat of a letdown, it's going to be really hard for people to give a shit six months or a year from now. I don't know, though. I think it'll find the audience. There will be streamers that stream it, and it'll have people that are excited about cataloging the universe and all that for whatever reason. It's going to have its cult audience. How big that audience remains, that's to be seen. Well, they already bought it. <laughs> you know, I'm sure it was a huge seller, so. Yeah. It made some it made some cash. But that anyway, I thought that was an interesting uh little I mean it's one, it's probably the biggest story in gaming right now is the No Man's Sky uh sort of, you know, release and aftermath. I don't know. I think this could give it a little run for its money. Our last right. news story I just Metal Gear Survive. Uh yeah. So 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 give give us the fr- frame it for us, Jordan. What happened? So Konami lost their minds somehow behind the scenes. Uh, they were like, Hideo Kojima, you've made us so much money. We don't want you anymore. You can't make games. We're not even going to let you take credits for your games. So no one's that friendly towards the idea of Metal Gear right now anyway. Um, they're bold. They decided, what what does Metal Gear need? Um, and, you know, th- th- let's be fair. Metal Gear's taken some odd detours before. It did have a tactical card game for a, for a while. Two Acid. of them with Metal Gear Acid. Um, so this is – it had a full action game with Metal Gear Rising. Oh. So, you know, Metal Gear Solid is the stealth games. Metal Gear whatever, those are the offshoots. But uh, this is a game set after Ground Zeroes where the remnants of uh, <laughs> of Snake's army – are transported to an alternate universe where they have to use four-player co-op stealth missions against the undead and try to survive. Excuse me, they're crystalline zombies. Get it right. Oh, I'm sorry. What? They're zombies. Yeah. They're crystalline zombies. Yes, the the as they're called, the Militaire Sans Frontier fight crystalline zombies through wormholes. So what? Yeah. yeah. Why? Because, because why not? I'll people, tell you why people not. People like zombies and people like co-op. Let's just put them I, together I, with Metal Gear. I know you're being sarcastic, but to me, I, I really didn't know the full extent of how horrendous this was. I just heard that they were putting out a game that was not a full-price skew, like that looked like crap. That's all I'd heard. And and without Kojima, obviously. If Konami wanted to make literally a joke like to show people how badly they fucked up losing Kojima – they couldn't have come up with anything better. This is as bad an example of what not having leadership or guidance for your franchise can do. I can't even believe that's real. Are you pulling my leg? No, I, no, no. I, that's what what it is. Crystalline zombies. Crystalline zombies. Actually, I think they're they're known as biological threats, but they're crystalline zombies, basically. Yes. The idea is the lore of the universe they're in is like amazing and compelling why do you want to go through a wormhole away from metal gear because it's an alternate timeline so they get to do whatever they want with it they're like here's all the it's like here's all the toys of metal gear but we want to make a new world let's make an alternate timeline but the world of metal gear want. rules the world of metal gear is already weird i don't know why you just don't put it in it <laughs> this is a step beyond in fairness i mean it's it's well, maybe not too, too far. I was going to say, but it, I was about to say, I was about to say yeah. remember Wolf from 4? She was, like, remember all the mechs from 
But, you know, on on one level, I get the impulse of, like, any... Well, honestly, they have to know anything they do is going to be derided at some level. So it's like, at the very least, there's... I, mean, I'm, I, I don't know why I'm devil's advocating a little here, so so be fair to me. But you know, they're they're being, if not reverential to K- Kojima, they're allowing his version of this to stand for a while before they muck with it directly. I mean, but why this? Like, I don't. I, I mean, why not just make like, just put a game, put a new Metal Gear game like in some pocket that's not been. I mean, they've pretty much covered a lot of the different eras, but just make a new Metal Gear game. Call it Metal Gear with a new protagonist. Like, and just make it, like, Metal Gear type of game, but with, like, I don't know, Snake Jr. or some shit. Snake Jr. <laughs> Young Snake. I, I mean, I just don't get why they would do it. I, um, I'm i going to be honest. I'm I'm interested. I'm curious to see how this develops. I, I think this could be a surprise. No, I feel like if we did this episode in another five years, this could be on my list. Uh, because it's it's wacky. It's and, a, I think it's, it's a co-op, too. It is. I think the idea of, like, Somehow introducing a mix of zombie fighting gameplay with stealth elements, and and from what it sounds like, they're they're building this like kind of on the Metal Gear Solid Five engine, which is solid gameplay. But I I think like I, we were Tim and I were brainstorming ideas in the car the other day. We were just like maybe they, and you know he's pretty thinks it's ridiculous, and it is ridiculous. But maybe maybe you can like be stealthing around zombies, and you're trying not to alert a horde. And if you do alert a horde, you have to like stealth out like you would normally. There are potentials. For cool ways to do things, who knows if they'll follow through on it? But I don't think outright hatred against it is warranted, and it's been like the the hate on this is insane. Well, what you just internet. described though is The Last of Us. Yeah, but co op. No, I know, I know, but I'm but I'm saying like it's it's a zombie game where you stealth around and you kill things, and that's The Last of Us, and that was a really good game and had fun gameplay. So I mean, like, is it weird and wacky? Sure. But could it have really fun gameplay? Yeah, it's already been proven that it, it can be fun. Like, there there potentially you could do, like, maybe you set up traps and one person is there to set it off while the other person leads a horde into it. And again, I'm just being ambitious in my thought process. Who knows what the final game will actually All right. be? Alright, here's a little... Here's, here's the... Um, here is Richard Jones, Konami's brand manager, trying to better explain what it's all about. You ready? Sure. Mm-hmm. When your soldier wakes up, they are in a desert landscape, Jones tells Eurogamer, explaining that a wormhole has sucked fleeing Mother Base staff into a foreign dimension. In parentheses, Snake and Miller have bunked off to take part in Phantom Pain's timeline, you see. A very forbidding, foreboding, alien-looking landscape with lots of twisted wreckage and lots of things that have fallen through this wormhole. This is where the co-op comes into the game. You're not alone. There are other people there, and in order for you to survive and in order to be successful you need to work as a team co-op is only one of the gameplay mechanics obviously metal gear is well known for its stealth that is primarily what makes metal gear there is stealth in it i know when you're watching the trailer it's all very action-packed and it doesn't really elicit that feeling but there will be stealth and one of the really interesting things that we will be exploring and playing with is how stealth and co-op can actually coexist yeah right we formed gameplay that kind of allows and enhances that. And then it says, speaking uh, to the supernatural elements present in the trailer, um, Jones says these, quote, massive biological threats, end quote, are but a teaser of what's to come. And that success is hinged upon a reliance on, quote, new and alternative weapons, end quote. 
Judging by yesterday's short, that appears to be heavy artillery and futuristic bows that shoot fire arrows, which, of course, doesn't exactly imply stealth tactics, although it is Bow very... Bow and arrow is stealthy. Uh, flaming anyway. bow and arrow? Yeah! The stealth flame. This that... is so funny. You're all about this, but I No Man's am... Sky did not pique your interest. Yeah, because the... I don't know. No, 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 no. I don't want to say No Man's Sky didn't pique my interest. I'm just saying I knew what that game was going to be, and it wasn't like a day one purchase for me. This probably be a day one purchase either unless it's amazing but i'm just saying right now this is not inherently a bad concept they could do some really cool stuff with this and i'm just saying and i'm willing to eat my words whenever the game comes out if it's terrible i'm saying this could actually be a surprise hit i think this could actually be a fantastic game if they do it right i don't know if they will but everything i'm hearing i'm just like no this could be a sweet game here's where what i'm not here's the part where that misses me the part where this is a metal gear game Here's what here's what I just read. There, the the Metal Gear crew is all bunked up in a in a in a in a little uh, bunkhouse. All of a sudden, all the things that make the game Metal Gear leave, and only the parts that are generic and samey get whisked away to another dimension, so we can make a game that has nothing to do with Metal Gear. Dude, the characters that make it Metal Gear are not in it. The only ones that are in it are generic soldiers. Well, you want to play Federation Force, and you could say the same thing about that. I want to play Federation Force, but I really hate the direction. That's fair. I don't know. I really wish it weren't. The least, my least favorite thing about Federation Force are those generic-ass characters you play as. They look horrendous. (laughs) They look like they're wearing, like, the bio suit from from Half-Life, but, like, ten times cartoonier and worse. I don't know. I have no basis. Look good, but anyway, go ahead. I have no basis, but I'm staking it right now. This game's going to surprise people and be awesome. I'm st- all right. I'm putting right. it on the record. We'll see in a year. I don't wait. Does this have a date even? No. 2017. Oh, okay. It's, it's... We'll see in a year. We're going to have the Metal Gear Survive show. I mean, we're definitely going to play that shit. I mean, it's just I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. I just I just don't understand why they got rid of Kojima, and I don't understand why they're so quick to put out news about a game that. I mean, it, and oh, here's the other thing. You're thinking it's going to be awesome. It's not even a full price game. It's just what is it going to be? Twenty bucks? Forty bucks? What's the deal? I guess forty if they're relating it to uh, Ground Zeroes. I mean, listen. At least you're not paying full price for this game. Then, if it is terrible, yeah. But also, that also says something about the scope, and it says something about I don't know. We'll see. You could also say people learned from Evolve that you can't sell a four player co op game exclusively anymore. Uh, that's a possibility too. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. You're right. I, I say survive free to play works. Then we can like not waste any money on it. Anyway, we'll see. It might be cool. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't think so though. All right. That's news, and now we're gonna talk about what we've been playing, as we always do. Awesome. Uh, Rich, I think you have the most, so you might as well start us off. Yeah. All right. So I have four um, that I that I wanted to cover. Let's see what I'm gonna start with. Do 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 do. Okay. So I'll start with a a, a smaller one. Um. I've been playing Kirby Planet Robobot. Oh, okay. Aw. Aw, dude. Aw is, like, doesn't even begin, right, to, to cover it. This game is so fun. It's so fun. I mean, you knew it was going to be, right? I mean, the reviews, are, the reviews are great. Kirby's great. This game is just super fun. I mean, I always forget why I like Kirby games, and then I play another one. And I'm like, yep, that's why I love them. You know, it's one of those type of things. Like, I, I even can't remember like what makes them fun. I think back on them and I'm like, oh yeah, you, you, you fight that tree and shit. It's that seems okay, you know. But then I play it and I'm like, man, is this fun? And, and it's just, 
this game in particular, the the mech battles are just phenomenal. I'm not mech battles, but just getting in the mech because it is just it's like the level. So far, I'm on the third world now, and and basically each world has three like of these like cubes you have to collect in them. So the cubes are like hard to get on the levels. You still have to fight your way through the level, and it, and it's really cool. Um, in the way that they use 3D space, so like you're always jumping from the foreground to the background and back, and almost all the puzzles and mechanics have to do with that. So like there'll be like a laser beam cutting across the foreground, and you sh- and you want to jump to the background to like walk past it, and then jump to the foreground, flip a switch that makes a box flip over there that lets you solve a puzzle, jump up onto it because you couldn't make the jump before, and grab the little cube. You need three cubes per level, so and you don't need to get every one, but you need to get like two out of three on all the levels, so you can unlock the, the boss door at the end and, and open the fifth door which is the boss and then you go to the next level rinse and repeat super duper fun though um the mech is just super fun even if you don't have a power up so by the way you know the kirby games have like 20 power ups um this one has uh the same 20 power ups but it also has the, the mech can get the same power ups so every power up has to have a mech power up ability too so like if you if you for example, I don't know if that's new to this game, but it's certainly awesome. And it's like if you're Kirby, you get to like you know do do this thing where you kind of like shoot out balls and 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 uh, you know balls orbs of energy and like you know throw ESP power at people. But when you're the mech, the mech like forms into this like like purple and black looking like ESP monstrous thing with its two hands pushed out in the front as if it's doing like some kind of you know, enchanted something. I mean, it's just the whole look of your mech and the function of your mech changes based on the power-up. It's super fun. Uh, it's super interesting to like, try every power-up with the mech and then try every power-up with Kirby and mix and match. And, you know, as you guys know from, like, the last four or five Kirby games, especially the DS ones, you know, they, they, they you, you know, you can pause it and look at the movesets for each of the power-ups. I mean, it's just so fun. And this game is really cool because... It's challenging. Once in a while, it's it's rare, but I will die once in a while. You know, when I'm not paying attention or not playing carefully, or when I'm trying to like get a power up and it's hidden over like a chasm, and you have to like, you know, do different things to get to mm-hmm. it. But man, the game is super fun. Its use of space is one of the coolest parts. The mech battles is one of the coolest parts. It's just a really great game. And also, that's even that just scratches the surface. You play the campaign, but much like Triple Deluxe, which is probably the, arguably the best Kirby game of all time. Uh, not Triple Deluxe, sorry, Superstar Saga. Um, plus or whatever um that one is the best and then triple deluxe is good too but superstar saga is like uh superstar saga ultra on 3ds or, or is it was that a ds or a 3ds game you remember three i'm not sure on that ds but anyway that game is just phenomenal because it's got like five kirby games in one and you just feel like every one of them is fun what was so good about that one though is it had like not one but three kirby games in it that were all like like platforming adventure games but not and, and so this one just has the one of those but it has like kirby fighters which is like its own version of smash brothers and it's got this other game that's like really cool and i mean it just and as you play through the campaign you unlock these extra little like mini campaign things it's just such a cool package grabbing a kirby game and playing it for a month on your 3ds is just a sheer joy it's so fun and it really just it just grabs all the best aspects of, of things I love. Like, it almost feels like I'm playing Contra sometimes. It almost feels like I'm playing Mario sometimes. Almost feels like I'm playing, you know, the very first Kirby's Adventure game on Game Boy sometimes. Uh, it's just it's just such a fun game. Anyway, I highly recommend it. Awesome. Uh, Kelsey? Um, I only have two games that I've been playing, but um, 
the one I've been playing the most, uh, and also because the other one I got today, and keep rich in suspense, uh, is Hearthstone. Uh, one Night Woo! in Karazhan, the first, I guess, three wings technically have come out now, by now. Um, when, did they, when did the game launch? Uh, the first, well, the prologue and the first wing were available on August 11th, and then yesterday the second wing came out. Wow. And so, and then on the 25th, be the third and the September 1st will be the fourth. So by September 1st, it'll be over. But um, it's so much fun. I love the solo adventures in Hearthstone. They're always so goofy. And this one is near and dear to my heart because uh, if you, I've talked about it before, but I was a huge World of Warcraft player. I was big into raiding. And one of my favorite raids of all time is Karazhan. And they mimic a lot of the fights that you did. So, like, in week one, one of my favorite fights from Karazhan was the chess event, where you literally, basically, like, you would, you didn't have control over your character. You would click on a chess piece, and then you'd be like, I want to become you. And based on that, you'd have, like, three different, uh, two different moves that you could do. And then you had to fight the opposing king, and you had to kill the king on the opposing team, on the opposing side, to win. And they mimicked that in the actual game, where you play as the white king. And you have these pawns that you get set up, and they auto attack at the end of every uh, at the end of your turn. So it's it's much more interesting because you have to figure out like where you want to place your pieces, and like if they're in between two pieces, they get a double hit, so they hit the two pieces that are in front of it, and you try to get them around it to actually hit the other boss. And it was really cool. I really liked it, and it, it just is a new variety of ways to play. And they've added some really cool new cards. Um, there's a new card called Barnes, which was just released in this wing. He's a, a four mana, three attack, four uh, health creature, and he summons a one-one actor of any card in your deck. And so that bring, brought up a lot of like interesting new cards that became viable again. And I just, it's it's so much fun. I love it. I love it so much, and it makes me happy to play it. I've been playing through it on Heroic too, which I, I normally don't do, but this card back is awesome. And also, I just love. Mm. Love this, love, love this wing so much. Love this, uh, this adventure so much. That's really cool. So, uh, what's the word on it? Like, word on the street? Um, well, a lot of the pro players are kind of, they're not too thrilled with all the cards that are being released. But I feel like it's that way with every adventure or every expansion. Like, there's always a card that they're like, oh, this card's gonna be terrible. Like, everyone's like, Yaxron's gonna be a terrible card. Yaxron is a, one of the old gods that came out and came out and uh he based on how many spells you played he then plays spells so if you play 10 spells he'll play 10 random spells that hit random targets and it was like oh yuggsorn will be terrible but now it's like i think four different decks use him as in competitive play so and it, so it's interesting it's always cool to see how the meta shifts and whatnot and um people are starting to feel like a priest which is a class that no one really could play competitively a certain maybe might be a competitive deck finally again so wow um the addition of barns uh helped out and also uh the, the it's basically what's gonna be called like resurrect priest there's a, a spell called resurrect which when a creature dies you can play it and then it resurrects like a random creature so if you've had like six cr- creatures die it'll randomly pick one okay and so you have you have that plus the um onyx bishop which was just released, and he does that same thing. I think he's a 5-mana 3-4, if I remember correctly, and he'll resurrect a creature. And so then you play him in connection with Barnes, and Barnes, you know, can summon an actor, so it's a token, so you still have that creature in your deck. So say 
Barnes pulled out, like, Sylvanas, which is a six mana five five, has a death rattle that will steal uh, the opposing minion. When, if Onyx Vision resurrects that, it becomes the regular five five creature. So, like, you have two of those creatures now. So you can pull these really powerful combinations. And I don't know, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the meta actually really does develop because, like I said, only the first, like, three wings came out. So you have to wait till like, all the cards come out and everyone starts really theory-crafting. But I think it's added enough new cards that really cool decks are starting to come out of it. And once all the cards are released, it'll be fun to play these new decks because the meta was starting to get stale and... Everyone, it oh, was like wow. the same four. It was like the same three really powerful decks. So it, it is fascinating hearing you. And we got to get Tim back for an episode of you two talking Hearthstone because it's fascinating to me to hear you each talk and come at things in the complete opposite direction. Of, because, <laughs> Wait, what? Well, it's like hearing her talk about Priest because Tim's just like, man, Priest got slapped even harder and even worse than usual. And he was talking about how they got, like, the worst card in the game now that was added with this expansion. Oh, yeah, Purify is not Yeah, Purify. And just how they're they're still going to be terrible. And then, conversely, he really likes that one legendary that was first announced that, uh... Or he thinks there's a lot of good possibilities there. And I remember us talking about it and you not caring for it as much. So it's just interesting hearing you two be just some... I'm interested in what corners of the internet you each go to that you find these completely different thoughts and theories on it. It's 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 fascinating to me. But I would be fa- I I just think it would be great to do like an episode of like a, a, an intro guide to Hearthstone, right? And just have, you know, the four of us on and you know, you can explain it to me and, and Jordan you've played it, so maybe, you know, Oh yeah, I played a good bit. But the more advanced stuff maybe they could explain. And and I would just love to like just get a primer and and also for people that are, you know on the internet I'm sure there are listeners out there that it sounds cool to them but they've never played it and also they could just you know hop in pay a very small amount of money and start playing be great to have like a how to guide for them or you know with with you guys just like giving alternating opinions I don't know it sounds like a, a it has some potential it could be there. fun yeah let us know if you want to hear that listeners yes. yeah no I'm always game to talk about I, I watch so many streams I have so much useless knowledge. I would be willing to give to the masses. <laughs> awesome. awesome. It's fun. It's fun having two friends that never shut up about Hearthstone. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so is that any, any other thoughts on Hearthstone? No, I, just... I do have to point out, because I noticed this, because I know you said, you know, did you see that the first content update for Legion is going to be back to Karazhan? Yeah, I'm so angry. <laughs> they, because you don't... Anymore. Yeah. So, quick tangent. I'll try to keep it really concise. Oh, no, please. So Legion announced the Demon Hunter, which is a new, now a new class that you can play. I've been wanting to play Demon Hunter since, like, Warcraft 3 when Illidan became a Demon Hunter. And then in the Burning Crusade, they were, like, now announcing Demon Hunter. And they're like, nope, we can't figure it out. We have no idea how to play it. So they cut it. And now all of a sudden Legion's just like, hey, remember that class that you all want? Guess what? It's a thing now. And I'm just like... <gasps> and now they're like bringing back Karazhan, and I'm just like, <gasps> and it's just. I'm, I'm a so log. Angry. I'm a log on the Hearthstone <laughs> no, no. one day, and I'm gonna see Kelsey, and I'm gonna be like, Kelsey, what up? And she's like, No, it's a, it's a card back. I don't have a problem. I don't have a, just we tap that. Me. No, I, I, I th- there is a slippery slope of me falling back into WoW real hardcore. Why don't you just real play bad. WoW? I mean, and because not... I'll ne- we'll never see her again. <laughs> It'll be like Friday nights are raids, motherfucker. No, no, really, Kelsey. Have you considered going back to WoW or what? Yes, I have. Uh, I, I actually do think because, I, well, it's going to sound really conceited, but, like, when I quit, like, the, the last time, I, I quit as, like, 
a top, like I was one of the top three paladins on my server and stuff like that. So I, I feel like I've done it. I'm like, nope, I did it. I was just all that time. I was really good. And now it's just like slide back in and just be like a nameless nobody now again. I, I think I could. That's how every great great uh, hero comes back. You know, it's rising from like a phoenix from the ash, man. Well, no, I just want to be just, just in the ashes still, always. Just like, nah, no more raiding. Just enjoying the content. So I, I feel like I could do it. I, yeah, do that. Do do that. Don't don't. You don't have to play top level. You could just do Karazhan content. Or is that only raise? Filthy enabler over here, and I'm just like, <laughs> what is happening? I'm not sure. They, they announced it. I haven't looked too much into it just because I didn't want to. But Karazhan was a raid, so I would assume it's probably... Although they, they did, they were making raids instances. So they did that with Zulfarak and Dulaman, where they were raids, and they made them into five-man instances, which are just uh, like, you know, I like those. things. I like those. Yeah. So, but I haven't looked too, too much into it, because like I said, I don't... You just, you can't I, look. I know I can't. I can't. There's, I not, should. there's nothing to do with enabling here. All uh, she plays Hearthstone. She just have to take that Hearthstone time and put it into WoW instead. <laughs> there, <sighs> I think. Oh, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, anyway, I, I, <laughs> I'm going to move on to my. All game. right. Yeah, uh, what's your game, Jordan? So, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm going to start with the smaller one because uh, the other one I have things to say. I've continued to play the Banner Saga and I'm really enjoying it. Um, oh, yeah? It's it's a tactical RPG unlike any other. There's so many things to it that really just make it unique, and I'm still getting my head around it, but uh, I'm about... I'm on the fourth or fifth chapter now. Um, it's a cool campaign where you switch between two main par- parties. Uh, there's the one that's, like, full of um, the Varl, which are, like, these big dudes that take up four squares, and they have antlers, and, like, the, pa- the heavies, and then... Uh, they have a few humans with them, but then there's another side where it's like a bunch of rangers, and they're they're uh, mainly humans. I think they have one Varl with them right now on my team. Uh, so each of them play very differently because the Varl have certain classes and the humans have certain classes, and uh, there's a lot of variety between them. Um, you have spear dudes, uh, support units, archers, uh, shield bearers, just just a plenty of variety there, and it's just. There's so much nuance to the combat and figuring out exactly how it's suppo- how it's going to work. Um, the the way that movement works is that it's not you know whoever's fastest gets to go or there's a specific order. It's that if they're it's one to one, one of your guys goes, one of theirs guys goes. So if they have less units than you do, their guys are going to get second turns before you do, and so you can have something where you're like, oh, I need to maneuver this guy into place, but oh no. He, I accidentally blocked him because you, for the most part, you can't pass through your own unit. So sometimes you're like, oh no, I accidentally made a wall. So now this guy has to waste his entire turn circling around everybody else. And it's going to be like, you know, everyone else is going to get to go again before he's even up to bat. And, And it's just, there's so much nuance to how you have to set up the battlefield, how you need to use the different skills together. Um, considering what, do you want to do shield damage or do you want to do straight strength damage? Um, it, how how far are you into the the Banner Saga One's campaign at this point? Uh, like I said, I'm on the fourth or fifth chapter. I, I no, but I mean, that, how much is that overall? I have no idea. Um, so it's just really intriguing. Um, I'm I'm constantly enjoy. I'm enjoying the story a lot. It's it's pretty in depth in terms of setting up this on the the threat of this encroaching. The dredge are the they're like this mechanical enemy, um, and they have a lot of cool units that are really annoying. And again, it, it plays off of its own system, because there's one dredge unit 
that for a special move can take these two exploding stones and kind of crack them together and throw them at two spots on the battlefield. And they don't go off until that dredge is next turn, but again, sometimes that means that dredge is going to get to go again before all your dudes move. So if he throws it in the right place, your guy is going to get hit by that explosion because he's stuck in that spot. And so there's a lot of little things you have to consider with it. Um, it's just very different from any other SRPG I've played. Uh, it has a lot of hard choices. Characters do just die if you make the wrong story in the choices. And that was something I found out that was good, is that it's not a matter of if they die in combat. If they die in combat, they do get back up. They're wounded for uh, a certain number of days, but that goes away uh, pretty quickly. And all that, it does a, a one-point minus to their overall strength for the next encounter. Now, granted, these are encounters where the max you're going to see is 21 as a stat, so those 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 little changes can be pretty significant. But for the most part, you're only going to see people die through story choices. Uh, but it balances that well by having it the max level is 5. There's not a lot of disparity between it because you only get to add uh, 3 points per level. Uh, no, 2 points. 2 points per level and you only go to 5. So the difference between a level 1 unit and a level 3 unit is mainly how what level skill they can use. But then that's counterbalanced by how much SP it takes to do those skills. So everything is balanced well so that even when a character dies, there's usually someone waiting in the wings to take their place. Um, and it's more the, you get to experience the story of the death as opposed to being bummed that you lost a major unit. Um, it's just a really good game. I see why it's so popular with so many people. Uh, I'm really excited that the Banner Saga 2 is free so that when I finish this one, I'm going at about one or two maps every time I play it. And uh, I've been working a lot lately, so I haven't had as much time to play it. But I'm going at, I feel, a pretty good clip that I'll be able to get to the Banner Saga 2 before too much longer. Uh, but I would recommend it. I know Kelsey has it, so uh, I, I would say... Once you get through the games you're currently playing, it's a little bit of a... You, you, I think, tried it, right? I did try it. I just... Well, was, yeah, well, like you said, it, it just was confusing to me. And now I, I I wasn't expecting to get a new game, and that was the next thing I was going to go into, but now I'm just like, yeah, like, my head's not ready for it. <laughs> I don't know if I said this on the last show, but uh, friend of the show... I keep I, I mentioned Tim a lot, but we, we do hang out, and he is still relevant to the podcast. But And if you haven't listened, if you're uh, somehow a newer viewer or listener, you should definitely go back to some of the older episodes to hear him. He, he brings a very unique perspective, but he essentially... He likes a whole different genre of games than a lot of us often do. He does, but he essentially, uh, when he was over, gave me a full tutorial on how to play the Banner Saga, explaining all the stats and what was more important to level up and how to successfully do certain things. So uh, if somehow you can get Tim to come to your house and tutor you on the Banner Saga... Makes it uh, work a lot better. Tim is Tim is a if you don't know he's a math teacher, a math professor. He's currently getting his master's degree in statistics. So uh, and and all of that doesn't even explain how good he is at math and critical thinking. Like the dude is a master of that. Um, and so these kind of games are so up his alley. And to hear him talk about them, like he just soaks it up, and it just you can see his brain whirling with like. It's like he's the kind of guy that making numbers go through his brain and strategizing like like massages his brain like he enjoys that. Whereas some people like, oh, my brain hurts. He's like, my brain feels great, you know. And so it's 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 kind of like that. It's 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 really interesting to watch. He's a really cool guy. We're definitely gonna have him back on. He said he'll come on again. We just have to figure out and get the timing right and stuff. So yeah. So that's my game. Uh, well, one of my two games, Rich. Awesome. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I I said I had four, so I'm gonna do two real quick here so we can get back in sync. Um, the first one is shorter, but I do want to get your thoughts on it as well, Jordan, um, and that is Monster Hunter uh, 4 Ultimate. Um, so I recently got a new 3DS 
blah 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 because my old 3ds i uh something happened to it and I don't have it anymore so i had to get a new 3ds um and so i finally got one um and yep. huh oh, i thought you had the so you upgraded from the 2ds Oh, I know. I still have a 2DS. Oh, it's a 2DS. Okay, yes. okay. I still have a 2DS, but no, I was playing the 2DS for a while. No, I used to have a 3DS uh, XL. Gotcha. Um, okay. That I that I lost, and and so now I I had a 2DS for a little while, um, just because I came upon one really cheap somewhere, and I actually really like the 2DS, uh, which that that would be interesting to talk about hardware some someday on the podcast. But, um, I just got the new 3DS XL about two weeks ago, and guess which one I got, dude? G Zelda. No, I got the Monster Hunter um, Generations, like <laughs> gorgeous blue one. Okay. Oh my god, it's exquisite. It doesn't even matter that I'm not the biggest Monster Hunter fan up until now. It's the only blue 3DS XL, our new 3DS XL. I mean, it's gorgeous. You when you see the color of it, it's got like etched engravings. The things, it's a work of art. I mean, it straight up is. Um, also, I've always been like a nut about like loose hinges on the 3DSs, and the newer ones, like this one, which is guaranteed to be by being a newer edition, uh, has like a little bit of a tighter hinge. So I'm really happy about that. The, when they went to loose hinges, they just like blew my mind. But anyway, um, you know, because every little kids were snapping the hinges on the three. I love the uh, uh, DS Plus. You know, the the mm-hmm. the, the DS. I think it was, it was called the DS Plus. DS Lite. The DS Lite. Oh yeah. Because mm-hmm. it was like solid, like a little rock. Um, but now, but you know, now they make them really loose and, and again, it's because little kids were stepping on them and cracking them. But anyway, I digress. So I got this and I wanted to get a couple games to really play on it and, and put it through its paces. Obviously Kirby Planet Robobot was one because you do not want to play Kirby, a game that relies on 3d and going in the foreground and then to the background and the foreground on a 2ds, you know, even though they advertise it that way, they're like, play it on your 2ds, Planet Robobot, you know, all ages, buy it now, you know, mm-hmm. um, but but anyway, so playing that has been great. And then I also wanted to get, because I got the Monster Hunter 3DS, I wanted to become a Monster Hunter fan, or at least try this game out once and for finally. So I picked it up. Uh, I was thinking about getting Generations, but I was like, you know what? I want more of a story. I want more of a traditional Monster Hunter experience, so I got for you. And uh, so far, it's really good. So far, I've only done like the first maybe eight quests. really slow going in the beginning. Um but I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and Gaijin, shout out to Gaijin Hunter online and Eric's. They both do really good tutorial podcasts on uh, on Monster Hunter and, you know, for you and Generations in particular. Um, but it's just a whole world of stuff to get into. And, you know, when I'm really bored at work, it's really great to, like, let my brain go to Monster Hunter land. Kind of like when you're playing Skyrim or Dragon Age. And, like, there's so much to think about in those games, you know. And you can mm-hmm. always, like, let your brain go there when you're when you're not, like, in the best mood and you're at work. And it's like, ah, the joy of gaming just crept into my head, you know, um, and and it's it's like that. Um, and so anyway, Monster Hunter is really deep. But uh, tell me your experience with Monster Hunter because you played a lot of it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I got it when I got the new uh, 3DS. It was kind of a game, uh, not built for the system so much, but but a, a good showcase for the new hardware. Yeah, and it really uh, is. It uses that nub to to great effect. Yeah, it it's a it's a really fun game. It's a very satisfying loop of. Find materials, craft new armor, go fight monsters. Use that to get new materials to craft new armors to go fight more monsters. And uh, there's a huge variety of creatures. I mean, there's the standard small creatures you find in each area, but uh, every mission is usually, for the most part, built around fighting a big boss monster that's like the hunt. And uh, the game, they're really good. There's a lot of variety to the type of creatures you'll fight, from like monkey-type dudes to giant plant creatures to arctic rolling guys. I mean... I'm giving such official names for these people, but it it just 
does a lot to make each fight feel big and epic without being exhaustingly, you know, back-to-back boss fights, because you do have this, the hunt of it and the slower goings in between and the crafting and the searching out materials. Uh, it's very, it's a very solid fun time. You, you, I can understand why it is so popular and why so many people can put hundreds of hours into just getting better and better and better armor and equipment and gameplay and all that. Uh, and it offers a lot of variety. So even if you, uh, you can master one weapon and still have others you could go back to and try out and different gameplay styles. So you can kind of find the one that best fits you for a single playthrough or experiment with them all and do a lot of playthroughs. And it's a lot of variety in the game. So I, I enjoyed what I played of it. It's just, it got a little, you know, I played about 30, 40 hours of it, and it was still going, and I, I get that that's kind of what it's built around, but I did get a little burned out on it, because it is, even though the monsters change and have new strategies, it gets a little familiar with what you're doing if you use the same weapon setup. Which is what you did. Yeah, I really liked uh, the, it was like a spear that I could pull vault with. So that it, was a fun Was one. it the insect glaive? Yes. Yeah, it was the insect glaive. So you would throw the insect, too. Yeah, and that. Yeah, so it, it gave a few options. But, you know, after 34 hours, I didn't entirely want to switch while I was that late in the game, but I also was a little burned out on it, so. Interesting. Yeah, the Insect Glaive what's, is is the new weapon to that game. Uh, and so, like, everybody was really, like, about it. And also, that game is the first game to really introduce verticality into the series. Like, I've really gone deep into this shit. And, like... You know, when you, when you, like, so the, the idea is, or actually, I think you could do vertical stuff in, in three, um, but you had to jump off stuff to be able to do it, or something like that. Uh-huh. Whereas this game was the first one to allow you to, like, vault up and jump. And then the new one, uh, Generations, you can straight just jump, um, or something like that, and, like, just jump on the backs of monsters. But it's really, really interesting. Were you, like, jumping on monsters' backs with that insect glaive and shit? Yeah, basically. Wow. Does that make them easy to kill from the top, or what's? I the mean, deal? it makes it easier to like knock them down for critical hits. Yeah. Interesting. That sounds fun. Now the pole. What do you do? Do you hit them with it like like a bow, like Donatello? It's like bow, a spear or? more. You can spear and like slash with it, but yeah, for the main part, it's a lot about jumping on top of them and then yeah, going for the kill when you can with stabs. Did you read a lot of guides and stuff, or did you just like go in like like free free you know free balling? I went with that one. It sounded cool, and it was like the new hotness for that game, like you said. So that's just the one I gravitated. No, I mean guides on how to learn how to like attack monsters and fight monsters and build armor and what armor is good and what you know all that. Not, I didn't go super in depth. I mainly went this piece uses boss I just fought and has better stats. I ah! <laughs> nice formula. Nice formula, Tim. I mean. That that that's my basic fall to on a lot of games. When I play Diablo, I don't go, oh, well, this gives me plus thirteen vitality, but this one, uh, this one gives me a plus point five to gold pick. I don't do that. I go, oh, there's more green arrows on this item. A quick, yeah. yeah, or 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 the ones where it's like, ooh, this has an elemental resistance of point five higher for lightning. You know? Yeah, I'm not. You know, I play on console. I'm not seasoning with my Diablo character, so. I just I, I follow the green arrows. That's what they're there for. What what verb did you just use? Seasoning. What is that? <laughs> they have on the, the PC version of Diablo has like se- ranked seasons that you can go through. What does that mean? Kelsey, you you might know more. It's this. it's it's just like uh, what's the best way to explain it? It's. Uh, She's like, like prestiging. Layman. There you go. It's like prestiging in Call of Duty. You know, oh. you, you, like, get to the highest rank, and then you start all over again. But you still have, like, your whole thing. It's, like, it's, that's what it is. 
Oh, it's, okay. It, yes, it's like, so it's like an ongoing, continuous go. loop. Yeah. Oh, that was, I was like, wait. I got <laughs> so stressed out. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. You suddenly there for transport a to a stage in front of your peers? I did. I got, oh, I got all nervous. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. All right. Uh, everyone in their underwear. No, but yeah, it's like prestige. Okay. So, but, yeah. but anyway, so I'm still early days in the game. I really want to give it more time, but because of the other games I've been playing, I've been balancing between them all. Obviously, I've been doing a lot of Nintendo. All four of the games I've been playing on Nintendo. Now that I picked up Mirror's Edge Catalyst, I'm going to be trying that out and some other stuff I want to play on console. I, you know, I, I would say all the last time that I was going to be playing some uh, Witcher, um, but I haven't really gotten to that yet and more Dragon Age Inquisition. But anyway, the other game I'm going to mention right now is another one I would love some input on from you, Jordan, and that is Hyrule Warriors. Um, so, this has a really good story. Um, I recently bought a copy of Wind Waker HD online for $49.99. Now, anybody out there who's a Nintendo fan is already getting the smile on their face, realizing why that pisses me off. Because two weeks after I made the purchase for Wind Waker HD online, but by the way, you couldn't buy it anywhere, and I should have taken this as a hint. When I saw that like it was discontinued and no GameStop had a copy of Wind Waker HD anywhere, I should have realized, yeah, they're probably going to re-release it. But I didn't. And so I was like, you know what? I really want to play Wind Waker HD. Damn it. I just got a Wii U. I want to play a, an in-depth game, and like nothing's in-depth. So I'm going to get Wind Waker HD because I really don't want to play Twilight Princess again. Um, so I get it, uh, and I start playing it. And two weeks later, what gets announced, Jordan? Uh, that it's becoming a Nintendo Select title. <laughs> for nineteen ninety nine, forever. Um, oh. Which also means, so not only yeah. is it, it's not going on sale for nineteen ninety nine, Kelsey. It will be no, 1990. Right. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. So right after I dropped 50 bucks on it in a non-returnable way, right? So I was like, all right, this is freaking horrendous. So I called Nintendo last weekend. Wow! Literally calling it. It's thirty dollars. No, I'm not. I just wow. Look, it can't hurt to call, right? No, it can't. And worse than that, I was I was bitter. Like the thirty dollars wasn't even the worst part. <laughs> My bitterness was the worst part. Like I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get over this. I really don't. Like I genuinely may not be able to enjoy this game or Nintendo products for the next six months if something <laughs> isn't done about this. I'm dead serious. Like that's how burned it got me. I was just like, this is horrible. So I call up, I get one dude on the phone, and he is a company boy. And he's just like, you know, hold on a second, let me go see if there's anything I can do for you. He goes off for like 10 minutes and comes back with a sentence I could have pulled off the internet if I wanted to find it. He was like, well, uh, uh, Mr. Lepore, uh, I did ask my supervisor, and um, they uh, they informed me that there is nothing that we can do to help you uh, today. Uh, did I all answer all your questions and help you out as much it as you It sounds like that guy took a smoke break. Yeah! <laughs> Just I just like this guy. He was just like, let me just. He's like, I got. I have to use the bathroom all day. I'm just gonna uh, go. So like, then, just... so then I was like, really? Like that's that's not cool. He's like, yeah. He goes, the official wording is that, um, you know, prices change all the time, and we offer price, you know, sales now and then, and so therefore, and I was like, no, no, no. This isn't a sale. This is a permanent price drop, and I got wrecked by it. You know, like, this is not cool. I said, I, it's like, this is like when somebody takes a, a fist and punches you in the gut. That's how I feel, you know? And he was having none of it, right? Um, so I was just like, all right. I was like, you know, he was like, there's nothing I can do, but hey, was your set, was your service from Nintendo satisfactory today, you know? And, and I was just like, look, 
I'm really not feeling good. I feel like I got punched in the gut. Is there anybody I can talk to about this? So he says, I can transfer you and escalate the call, but they're going to tell you the same thing. And I was just like, I want to do it anyway. (laughs) So they escalated me to this amazing guy. And I'm glad I'm telling the story on the podcast because Nintendo deserves props for this. They talked to this amazing guy named Jason. He and his wife moved up to outside of Seattle. I mean, I got in a long conversation with him uh, to work actually in this call center, and he's you know now a supervisor. And he says generally all day I get to help people. He loves his job. It sounds like when you get in the higher echelons over there at the Nintendo call center, it's it's pretty. It, they treat them well. I mean, so isn't that any job? <laughs> right, right. But I was happy. You know, some jobs you never get into any. I good. guess so. But this, but anyway, they're taking good care of their, their, some of their people. Not that lowling dude. He was suffering, man, because he was not happy. Um, but anyway. This Jason dude ended up saying, hmm, let me see. He goes, and, he, and right away he gives me some peace. He's like, you know, if it had been two months, I would have been like, there's not much I can do about that. But this was less than two weeks ago. I got to do something for you. And right then I was like, thank God he's going to help me. So he finally says, I'm trying to figure out the best way to fix this for you because, you know, I, and the way that's going to like cost me the least trouble, you know, getting in trouble with, you know, my boss and it's going to give you the most value. He goes, are there any games that you've been wanting from Nintendo first parties? And I was like, well, yeah, there are some, but, you know, they're probably like more expensive than the difference, you know, that I paid. And I was like, I, like, I'd love to play like Tokyo Mirage Saga or Tokyo Mirage, whatever. And then he was like, no, 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 Nintendo games. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So you mean first party? And he was like, "Well, first party or one and a half party, you know." Like, and I was like, "And I was like, all right, well." And then I thought about it for a second. I was like, "Wait, what am I thinking? Hyrule Warriors? I want to play the hell out of that game." And so I said, "Well, Hyrule Warriors, but that's a little more expensive than the difference too." And he goes, "Ah, hold on." He gets me a freaking code for Hyrule Warriors, free download, sixty dollar game. So I ended up doubling the difference that I lost. Um, not only that, but it's really fun, and I get to play Hyrule Warriors now. It was great. It was just an overall good experience. Not only that, but he went on to recover my old Nintendo account, which I had lost when I used to have a Wii U before, so I ended up getting my copy of uh, New Super Mario Bros. 3D World back as well. Um, so that was really cool, and he did all that for me, and, and, with, and he was just a really, really cool guy. So anyway, props to Nintendo for taking care of me. I mean, it didn't cost them anything really, but boy, did it make my day, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so out of that, I ended up with Hyrule Warriors. Really happy to get that. Man, that game is fun. I, when I first got it, and when I first played it over your house, Jordan, I was like, mm. you know, it's just Dynasty Warriors with, like, a bunch of shit to hit. And, and that's fine, but is this ever going to really rope me in? And I'd heard from people like the completionist that it's a really fun game and all that. It's like, mm, what's going to make this game really fun? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's going to be that fun, but what the hell, I'll try it. And as you go in, you realize it's a lot deeper than the Warriors game. For example, like, there's enemies, like big boss enemies, and they have like this, like, they do a big move, and then they, like, are in a weakened state. And you, so you, what you have to do is dodge when they do their big move, and then hit them, which, like, kicks off this special mode where you have to keep hitting them. And once you chip away on down, like, this little diamond that appears, they get into, like, a really weakened state, and then you can hammer on them. So that right there, there's a whole lot more strategy than there ever was in a Dynasty Warriors game. Um, and so I'm really enjoying it. I, I only finished the first three uh, levels, but boy, is it fun. Uh, what were your thoughts on it, Jordan? I really had fun with it. I thought it was a super fun game i mean i enjoy i've I've enjoyed dynasty warriors games in the past i played samurai warriors on the 3ds when that came out i played 
uh, Dynasty Warriors Gundam on the 360 a while back. While, while back. Time flies. Uh, I, I, but I, I found Hyrule Wars to be super fun, and I, I think a big part of it is the trappings. Uh, it's super fun to play in the Zelda world and have those familiar remixes of familiar songs and familiar characters and familiar enemies and locations. But don't you feel like it, it plays different than those games too, though, in some ways? I don't know. I've been playing a little bit of Warriors Orochi 3, because that was the free game uh, for gold this month. Uh, and they're they're similar in a lot of ways. Uh, there are some differences that I think were specifically added to Hyrule Warriors, but there are also some differences. Like, uh, what's cool about Warriors Orochi 3 is that you get to take three playable characters on the battlefield and switch between them. Uh, which I think is really cool for varying it up a little more than just picking one and sticking with it for the entire mission. Uh, but, you know, it, it just feels... It's much harder to connect. I mean, it always has been because it's a very different culture and it's famous figures from histories that I don't know enough about. Uh, I mean, no big reason Tim loves Dynasty Warriors is because he read The Three Kingdoms and he loves that shit. Yeah. Uh, I just don't have the connection. So even though I think the gameplay is as fun as it as it can be with those types of games, it's just really hard to connect to the story. And you know what's funny is it's 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 very much a similar story. In Warriors Orochi 3, there's this unstoppable hydra that shows up and is going to destroy the world so a mysterious young mage female mage shows up and takes the three main heroes on a trip through time to collect an army of famous heroes so Interesting. it's a very similar setup to what happens <laughs> in hyrule warriors i hear what you're saying uh, i hear what you're saying but you know that whole like that boss mechanic that i mentioned that seems unique they don't have that in Orochi, do they i don't know i haven't played a whole lot of it yet um, I don't know if the, like, the breakdown bar is there. I've only fought, like, one boss enemy, so it's, it's hard to say there. Well, the thing also is about Hyrule Warriors is it's, like, the bosses, like, there's, like, the, they're, they're unique bosses with unique techniques. Like, and, and, and also the, the, um, uh, the, the things you have to do in the game, like, 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 uh, chaperoning a bomb to a certain wall and shit. It's just, I don't know. I, I mean, that you could call that trappings, but it's very mechanically different. I don't know. There's stuff in Samurai Warriors like that. I think in, in, or uh, Warriors Orochi. In fairness, Hyrule Warriors is one of the most recent games in that series, so any updates that have come along over the years would be implemented into that. And I think they will in turn be implemented into future games in the series, so. I don't know if I would say, like, Hyrule Warriors completely stands out. It might have some new trappings. I don't know. Again, I, I'm not far enough into Warriors Orochi to speak to it. And the last one I played was Samurai Warriors in 2011. Or 10, even. I forget exactly. So it's been a All long right. time. Uh, but, yeah. I liked Hyrule Warriors a lot, though. So I, I, I'm I'm not lying. I'm tempted to pick up Legends. Well, uh, actually, I've heard really good things about Legends in some ways. First of all, you have to have a new 3DS, which you do. Um, because it doesn't play well on any other system. It's like uh, they actually had two reviews of it on IGN, one for regular 3DS and one for new 3DS, because it's literally a different game. It doesn't even play on 3DS, they said. And then um, it also lets you do the thing you can do in Orochi, where you actually get to switch between characters in Legends. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, yeah. See, I, I think it's different mechanics get introduced in different ways across all the games in the series. Oh, uh, that just proves your point, doesn't it? Kinda it kind of does. <laughs> kind of does. Anyway. All right. Um, anyway. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm going to just finish up then with all of my games, because, uh, and then we'll move on to yours in the interest of time. Um, so my last one is, uh, you know, wait for it, Wind Waker HD. <laughs> um, Shocking. Yeah, right? And uh, anyway, I'll, I'll just keep it real brief. Uh, Wind Waker HD is really, 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 really good. 
I haven't gotten the Swift sale yet, but even still, like, I never played all of Wind Waker. I played, like, the first third. I realize now that it was only the first third. And it, it's shaping up to potentially be my favorite Zelda game of all time. And I'll go into it in further detail later, but, I mean, the game is just phenomenal. Have you guys played Wind Waker? Like I said, years and years, yeah, and years ago. Forever ago. Well, anyway, that game is just, I mean, it's just impactful. I remember it being solid. It's about, yeah, no. it's about as good as any Zelda game I've ever played. I mean, it is just, I, I just love the style, and I love the battling, and I, I don't know, it's just a gorgeous game. And in 3D, it's just all the more gorgeous. I just love it. And it feels so modern, it doesn't ever feel like I'm playing an old-ass game. It's not that old to begin with, it's only like 13, well, 13 years, pretty long time. I don't know. Anyway, so, so those are my games. Um, Who's next to finish out? Kelsey, I what guess- you got? My last game was. Oh, here I we go! Here we go! Today, I finally bit the bullet, and I bought Batman: Arkham Knight, and I was playing that for Ooh. all of today until uh, until we started recording. Oh, I wish I could play it again for the first time. It, Have you uh, finished it? I couldn't remember. Me? Yeah, I couldn't remember. If oh, you fuck yeah! Arkham Knight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now I remember. Oh, I finished I, all I, the Arkham games. Arkham games. I even finished uh, uh, that that horrible Vita game. Blackwater. <laughs> Yes, oh, Black yeah, there it is. Oh, fuck yeah. I think yeah, Blackwater's an actual military. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> military group. But no, no, no. I, I love the Arkham games, and I can't wait for Arkham VR one day when I have $100,000 to buy the equipment I need to play it. Um, but yeah, dude, that, that game is, I mean, it's really, really fun. I don't like it as much as, you know, Asylum, but boy, is it fun. What do you think so far? I mean, well, I knew who the Arkham Knight was within seconds of meeting him, so that's kind of a bummer. So I have, like, no real drive. So did fans about a year before the game came out. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, yeah, no, that's, that was... Well, let's just, because spoilers, because it's been out, it's been over a year now, hasn't it? How long? Yeah. Did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah it's so. It's been a year, it's been a year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, they did a terrible job. They lied, basically, to fans, face, to their faces. And like, no, it's not, it's not Jason Todd, what? What? No. No, I was like, when I first saw him, I was like, that's Jason Todd. And then I was like, no, it's too obvious. And then, then he said something else. I was like, oh, fuck, damn it, that's Jason Todd. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, they're just going to get me. And I was like, no, you know what? And then I was just kind of like, wow, you little petulant brat. That's like, fucking when he's Jason Todd, yeah. taunting what? you on the other side of that glass and he's all like, you need to shoot where there's in-between armor and don't shoot the bad signal because that's where the armor's strong. So I'm like, I can't wait to punch you in your stupid face, you little brat. Oh, wow. What's, <laughs> well, first of all, what's hilarious to me about the whole thing is they were so much like, no, 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 Arkham Knight's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a big reveal. It's going to blow minds. And then they had... Um, I don't know how many of them you got or if you got any because they were weirdly released, but they have like all these Arkham City stories. And in one of them, you can play as Red Hood. And if you look at Red Hood... It's basically the exact same costume with the little bat ears missing, and the visor glows red instead of blue. So it's like, hmm, I wonder. This was, you yeah, know, it was, it, and it's just so. It, there's like, I do enjoy it because if nothing else, Batman games are fun. They have fun combat. It's just fun to be Batman. They have some of the best combat in any game. Flying around, the car annoys me and so hilarious how, how they always are like, no, they're unmanned. You can shoot them. It's fine. Because, you know, Batman doesn't kill anybody. But the, well, that was, I mean, they had to do that. But no, the, I know. The thing about the car funny. for me is this. The car combat, and I think a lot of reviewers have agreed with this, it's fun. It just doesn't belong in this game, and it doesn't belong with Batman. No, it doesn't. And also, like, at this point, I played a game that had better car combat, Mad Max. Oh, yeah. So going from Mad Max to this, <laughs> I was just like, 
I know, I know, I know this is better. I've I know there are Perry. better things. You've seen Perry. Exactly. So, and it's just, no. but the side missions are fun. I've been doing the, the, the perfect crime. Uh, I like, um, uh, it's just i don't know it's bizarre and i hate that they make the riddler make you use the car for certain riddler challenges like the the ones where you have to do the races or you have to like fling yourself out of the car and yeah i just i don't know let me, let me tell you something i can't help it but just hearing you talk about this game makes me want to play it again no it is still a fun game like it still has really good gameplay mechanics i will never take that away you do this stupid story element sure but it's fun i'm glad i finally picked it up I, I I was it was too long with just people being like, no, it's not good. But I'm like, no, you know what? It's a solid Batman game. It's a solid game to be Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I it's, think it's. Go ahead, Jordan. It's no asylum, but it's a fun game. No. Yeah. I, I think I think City and and Arkham Knight. I'd have to really think about which one I like better. Um, but I think it's I think they're both both pretty even in my estimation. I like them both for different things. Uh, I'd probably give the edge to City. But there's things about uh, about Knight that I really like too. Obviously, the number one pick by with a bullet is Asylum. And by the way, I just want to point out: if you go back to our early episodes, we were praising Asylum and saying it was the best Batman game way before everybody else figured it out. We may not have a lot of claims to fame, but we certainly were on the front of that one. Uh, back when everybody was like, "City is the quintessential Batman game." Oh my God, City takes everything in Asylum, makes it ten times better. And now all I hear is like, nah, actually, Asylum was the purest expression of this formula. It's like, no shit. Anyway. <laughs> uh, what do you but, think, Kelsey? Are you Asylum or City? Oh, no, Asylum. I was always Asylum. Uh, Jordan and I played through it because he had found out one summer that I had not played Asylum, and we had played. I'd played a little bit of City, and we played through it, and no, it's Asylum. I, I loved I loved Asylum so, so, so much. So it's so good. good. It's I can't so... wait to play through it again. <laughs> yeah, when, when Arkham... Turn to Arkham. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really yeah. interesting with the, in the new Unreal Engine. I'm excited about that, too. I'm also excited. I was looking at, you know, coming up releases in the latest Game Informer, and they were talking about, uh, you know, Final Fantasy 15. of course, was announced for September, and I was like, not anymore! Because <laughs> that's what happens with print media these days. But um, I'm, I still love to have it. I, I'd be sad if Game Informer ended as, as you know, it's not the greatest gaming magazine ever, but I'm glad it exists. Oh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like what Nintendo Power used to be in that it is kind of owned and, and operated in, in connection with GameStop, so it's obviously shilly. But at the same time, like, so was Nintendo Power, yet it was still a phenomenal, you know, publication. Yeah, and I mean... So was this. There are still... There are still... This is a minor change, but there's there are great... Like, I've gotten the occasional issue of, like, retro or game from, from the UK, but those are $10 an issue, and Game Informer is 20 bucks for a year, and you get the GameStop card, so it's... It's hard to 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 want to pay that much for for a, a, admittedly better magazine, but but Game Informer hits a lot of nostalgia at this point. I mean, I've been reading it for over a decade. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the other thing too is that it it has longer form articles. I mean, you know, outlets. My 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 quintessential. Like I, you you hear me talk a lot about IGN now because it's just kind of like the kind of like the Wikipedia of of, of video game news almost. Um, but 
my real love, the thing that re- my real passion in, in games journalism was always One Up, and uh, One Up unfortunately died a couple years ago. More, it's probably five or six years ago now, but that was my bread and butter. And all the podcasts I still listen to are from former One Uppers, you know, from Eight Four Play to. Um, you know, well, it was Weekend Confirmed, but that's over now to just all the different podcasts, uh, the Geeked Box. Uh, I just, I loved all that stuff and it was all based on One Up. One Up really just did it for me. And there was a magazine, it was EGM, um, also. And I go way back with all that stuff. I used to read Game Pro. So I like all of those different things. But, you know, th- these are places where you would find longer form. And One Up did it online as well. Like, they'd actually fly to Japan and do like an interview with, you know, Koji Kondo and have like a, you know, a three part, you know, thirty page interview with them on the on the internet on the internet. But like those are the kind of things that are usually only in the domain of print media. And uh, you know, Game Informer does that. This current issue has a huge thing on Destiny, and it's way more comprehensive than anything you'll ever find online in one place. That is about Destiny, uh, and it's just really really good. It's got great pictures. It's got great layout. It's really well organized. It's really in depth. Anything you ever wanted to know about the new Rise of Iron expansion, which I'm extremely excited about, is right there. There's just a lot of value to it. There really is. And this is this is getting me. We need we need a we need like a gaming magazine retrospective episode at some point because man, now I just want to I just want to go off on a tangent talking about those old old gems. But anyway, no, no doubt we won't do that no now. I I my I got dra- the last thing I'll say, credibility wise, I got Dragon Warrior, which is Dragon Quest One. With my issue of Nintendo Power, that's how dominant I was with that shit. So, anyway, remember that? You now you. Oh well, no, I know the deal. I didn't get it, but I, I do know it. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, back to um, what were we talking about? Uh, Game Informer and Batman Arkham Knight Batman was my Arkham last game. game. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. But you're enjoying it. You have so much more fun ahead of you, though. No, I, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Probably when we're done recording, I'll probably play a little bit longer <laughs> because I'm enjoying doing the the side quests a lot. So they've always been the best part. Well, especially in City, uh, they were really like they made that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, alrighty. Uh, well, my my last game. You know, dun, 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 dun. Kelsey knows what it is, but I don't. Dun, dun, dun. Every generation a game comes along. Here we go. Here we go. The hype train just started. Chug, 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 chug. Oh, no, no, hey. no. <laughs> hey, you no. know, a game comes along that makes you really stop and think what it means to be a video game and what, what you enjoy about the medium. And, you know, it is not that game. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there are games where you just stop and go, what do, what am I even doing right now uh, by by touching this? Uh, I played the Bin Her tie-in game. God, oh, God, that game for free on Xbox One a week ago, leading into the big release, is now out of Bin Her the remake. Uh, and, uh, I, it is, it is without, like, I can call it now, worst game of the year, this is gonna, we're gonna be talking oh, yeah. about Ben-Hur again in mm-hmm. our Game of the Year show later on. Does it count? It's a game, it's and it was game. released. Are you gonna talk, were you talking about worst game of the year with that freaking Burger King King game back in the day? I don't yeah, know, I that didn't, we didn't have a podcast back then. Yeah. Uh, it is... So, Ben-Hur the game is the chariot race from the movie, there is a single... <laughs> terribly animated track where you play as Ben Hur in a terribly uh gra- everything about the game is looks terrible it looks like surprisingly ancient early 360 uh and in a bad way game graphics where you race around a track 
trying to race. There are three races. It's all the same track. Uh, and there are five other racers, and you either have to kill everybody or just win the race. Uh, and killing is a trick because the game doesn't really explain where you, where's the sweet spot you want to hit them that will make them take damage instead of you taking damage. And that might not even matter because the physics might have you ping-ponging around between several of the opponents with no idea what's happening. Let alone that on occasion, you'll just suddenly, like, take a sharp 90-degree jackknife turn and ram into a wall. And it is a solid invisible wall because the horses will explode off your court and then just continue to run into the the side of the arena. It's the best part. No, the best part is are actually the other racers who smack talk you the entire time. With the same two lines of dialogue. With the same two two lines of, I've been racing since you were a boy, or my Uh. horses will tear you apart. That's literally what they say. Um... (laughs) There's, there's, you know, yeah, terrible graphics, questionable controls, you, you spur your horses by rapidly tapping A, but be sure not to, uh, tire them out, and you need to, like, push forward to get a little bit of speed, so it's like, you're, the controls are terrible, and again, the AI is, is hilarious, because half the time you'll start a race, and other racers trying to get on the main track will just immediately ram into walls and be dead. And you'll be like, oh, there's only four racers left now. This makes my job a lot easier. Um, and, and beyond that, it's it's just an ad for the movie. I don't know what first-year design student they got to put this thing together, but it uses an insane amount of assets from the film. It's a bunch of still promotional shots. Uh, you get a trailer for the film before you start it. The, the, the first thing you see is a trailer for the film. Like, literally, this, this is what you do. You, you start up the game. You hit start a new race. You get that trailer. And then you just are in the race. There's no, there's no like, press A to spray your heart. No, it's just you're in the game. It is like, movie trailer, whatever you want to call that game. That is literally all there is. And uh, the only real difference between races is that the first race is very short, but is laughably easy because the enemies can barely damage you and you can just tear through them. Whereas the final race is four laps and they are out for your fucking blood and they tear through your life bar in that final race. So it's a balance of of just surviving slash killing everybody. Uh, It is. And then and then it has the gall to be like when you actually win, it's like. You you won in the arena. Now go start the revolution. And then it's like, go see the movie to see what happens next. No. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, literally think I literally think that they were that they wanted to make the worst game they could make. And they were like, what could we make that will qualify as a game, but also be like the worst thing we could possibly make? I I mean, you have to try to make it that bad. Um I I mean, or you don't try at all. I think it's it's a mixture between the two. I don't know. Man. I think many years ago, listeners may remember, we did an episode on camp in gaming and was it possible? And to an extent, this game is so laughably bad that even as I continued to play it, I never got too mad at it. Now I have a little as I've achievement hunted, and I'll talk about that in a second. But it's almost it's so short and beautifully bad that this is an example, I think, of what Tim found so elusive. A game that you can trot out and show people, trot the horses out, in fact, wow. uh, and show them just how hilariously bad a game can be. That's the Ben-Hur tie-in game, and it's it's a thing of beauty, really. And the, the, the plus side is it's a full 1,000 gamer score game. I'm sitting at 800 gamer score that I got in about an hour of playtime. Now, the last achievement's tricky because you have to kill everybody in all three races, 
And what counts as you killing someone is a trick, because if you wall ram them too much, or they kill themselves, or they hit a, a certain objective in that, or a certain, like, obstacle, and that's when takes them out, it doesn't count. You have to very specifically uh, make sure that when the little pop-up shows up, yellow arrows are pointing at you to show that you did the kill. Or you can, of course, go to your stat screen in the achievements, because that makes the flow work so much better, and see how many kills you have. Oh, also, if your health gets too low, don't worry. The helpful citizens will start throwing these giant, like, Crash Bandicoot-looking green health orbs. They're like canteens. The they look like canteens. Like, feed hay for your horses they throw out. It's It's... It's so bad. It's so bad. I, I don't get it. It's a special achievement in gaming award. I mean, it is a fantastically terrible thing. Uh, for the achievements alone, I, I don't even know if it's worth it for that. This is, in a lot of ways, this is the new airbender because you really can get about 800 gamer score in 20 minutes if you. There, yes, but airbender was in an era when gamer score was much more scarce. True. Now, every arcade game has a thousand points. But getting every a full one thousand is still a trick. This is one that's that's doable pretty easily. That last one's a little yes. bit of a trick, so it's not full Avatar. Uh, I wrote a full review of it on the site, thejoygeek.net. Uh, I, it, I was less professional with it, but, but this game was not professional at all, so I had some fun with that review. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've been playing, because I, I was just like, you know what? I wasn't planning to play Ben Hur today, but it's free, and and I was just amazed at it. Uh, yeah, so that that, that I can't is my believe last you game. spent the time to download it and put it on your hard drive to there to then play it. But then again, it did reward you with 800 gamer scores, so I guess the scores are settled. And and a lot of fun. It is it is hilarious. It's worth experiencing. I I think I've come down on that finally. There is a wow. there's, there's something worth seeing, and just how bad it is. That's well. It does. It does give you a newfound respect for game design. And the more I listen to, like, really, you know, to listen to podcasts that, that handle, you know, different aspects of game design and watch different shows just about what goes into great game design and making games fun, uh, it's such an art. It's such an art. And 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 when you see like a bad example, I mean, obviously they didn't even fucking try with that game. But even games where they try really hard, often it doesn't work out. So it's yeah. interesting. It's a really interesting thing to look into. So that is it, I guess, for what we've been playing. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, on to the uh, to the main event. Indeed. Uh, we are going to be so. Let's, so let's give a little preface here and then just describe sort of the criteria for what qualifies in this. Because um, there's like maybe two or three different ways that a game could qualify to make our list. And what are we going to each pick three with some honorable mentions or what? Yeah, I mean that's the usual yeah. setup. All right. Uh, so yeah, for this we were looking at. You know, there are a lot of games where. Maybe the reviews are really harsh, or people don't seem to enjoy them, or maybe they didn't get quite as much to do as you think they did. But when you played it, you know, or when we played it, it really connected with us, and we thought it was better than maybe we had heard, or not enough people played this game. You could think of this maybe as underrated. Um, I think that's one way to take it. I took it more, I think I might have said earlier, as games that I I remember more fondly than most, maybe because... It's a game you played out of its time. You know, there are a lot of games that are super influential and a lot of games are seen as derivative of, but say you played that derivative game, that game might have more meaning to you as a gamer and so you see it in a higher regard for that reason. Uh, there's a lot of ways that games will come onto this list. I think each pick, you know, we're going to talk about and explain exactly why we picked it, but that's sort of a general idea of the different ways we could have come at this. All right, sounds good. Um... Jordan, why don't you continue and give us your first, uh, I guess we'll do uh, number three, number two, and then honorable mentions. So give us your number three pick. 
So for me, this one is almost sort of representative of a specific category, because there's a lot of games, you know, when you're a kid, um, and I don't know how true this is nowadays, because maybe there's more discerning parents, you, you know, it's crap, weird games still sneak through and still get released, but especially, I think, back in the generation of the NES, the Genesis is, uh, it wasn't as easy to find out what a good game was, or what game you were going to like, and uh, especially as a kid, you just want to play as the characters you like, or something that seems interesting to you, or... You were at the store, your mom said you could get a game, and damn it, you were getting something. Uh, so you picked out ga- a game, just whatever. Uh, and so for me, my number three is, uh, I went with Legend of Ligaya, which is a PS1 uh-huh. RPG. Uh, but it's representative of a lot of games. There's games like Tiny Toons, Buster's Hidden Treasure, uh, Kicks, that, that are games I just played and have a lot of fond memories of. No one talks about these games ever. There's no, like, secret cult following for these games or anything, but... I remember having a really solid time and, and have a lot of fond memories. Legend of Ligaya I went with because it's one of the first RPGs I really sunk my teeth into, even before I got to Final Fantasy. Uh, you know, I was coming from the Genesis and the N64, where RPGs just weren't there or weren't as prevalent, um, certainly not where I was playing them. And Legend of Ligaya was a very interesting title that it was an RPG, which was really cool, but it also had a very unique system that I, I think doesn't get enough... Uh, credit or, or hasn't really been explored it kind of combined rpg battles where you would you know attack defend item magic all that but with your attacks were based on this sort of fighting game input so you could have like up up down left as a move and you you would do different types of attacks and it, it wasn't quite elemental but you know certain enemies might be weaker to punches or kicks for example but if you discovered a certain string like you know sort of like if you did uh down, down, right, right, in Street Street Fight, if Ryu was a character, then the game would trigger and be like, oh, you put in the right combination. Here's a special arts move that you get to use because you did that combination. And it was the same thing for, like, the big final finishers. They'd have these 12-string combos that if you put the inputs all in right, bam, you'd suddenly, like, whip out with your limit break if this were Final Fantasy. Sick. And it was a cool story. It was, you know, demons invading the world. It did a, it was a very dark game. It, it introduced the three playable characters slowly and they each kind of had their own. I think it's something that's a little lost in RPGs now is kind of going like two full out, two to three hours of like this one area where you really get to know that character and then it moves on and maybe you meet the next character and then they finally team up. I liked Wild Arms 3 for that a lot, but, uh, Legend of Lagaya, it also had this really cool item called the point card. And what the, you you might not even find it, but in the home in Vaughn, he was the main character's hometown. There was this thing called the point card, and if you picked it up, every time you did damage in the game, a percentage of it would build up on the point card. And if you, whenever you use the point card, all of that damage would then be unleashed in like one. So it was basically like a instant win card once you got. Oh part, my god, that's amazing! Yeah, so it was a really cool. It's now, like it's like a it's like the it's like those uh, cards that they have now. Uh, a loyalty card for like a store. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so, but except when you're out battling, instead of when you're buying a frosty, you get points, and and then you can trade those points in. But in this case, for like a really sick hit on a boss or something, what a great mechanic. Yeah, so it was great mechanic. Great ideas. Love the characters. Lo- yeah, love the battle system. Love the world. It was dark and brooding throughout. Uh, I mean, it was a very uh, series game where where the monsters have kind of taken over and there's only pockets of civilization left. Um, I don't know how well it's aged. Uh, there was a PS2 sequel that was a Final Fantasy type of sequel. It was a completely separate world, and I don't think they kind of mainstreamed it a bit. But uh, yeah, Legend of the Guy kind of stands in for those games I remember from when I was you know 12 or younger, and they're just games that somehow I don't even remember how ended up in front of me 
and I'll I really like. I really uh, the game looks really cool, but boy, do I hate the art of the characters. The character art is really hideous, man. I mean, it's twenty years old. Yeah, it's just it's just that it's that look that like you know what it looks too much like for me Virtua Fighter graphics. Well, I mean, it's of that era. This is yeah. this is an early PS2 game. Or PS1 game. Yeah, so, PS1. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at it here. It's just like, man, I look like I'm looking at Virtual Fighter uh, 3D, <laughs> 3D sprites. But. They look better in the CGI, but yeah, it, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, that is my number three. Uh, kind of representative, but Legend of Ga- Guy, I think, best fits that as a game I remember that no one ever talks about. Interesting. That's, that's really cool. I'm going to go second. Um, and uh, I am going to pick... Um, boy, there's so many good ones to talk about. Um... I am going to pick uh, two Capcom games uh, as my number three um, because I don't want to just talk about one of them because it's gotten old at this point. Um, everybody that's ever listened to the podcast knows that I love Resident Evil 6. Um, that game to me is not nearly as good as 4. It's about mm, half as good as 5, but in any one of its parts, but it just has so much content. And if you just want to play – and none of it's like – everybody's like, oh, it's so horrible. It's not. The shooting's fun. The gameplay's fun. And I think someday people will come back and be like, you know, if I didn't have ridiculously lofty expectations and if I didn't love these characters so much from previous games, I wouldn't have hated this that much. It's a really fun game, I think, and I think it'll be appreciated as one one day. The uh, 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 development you know, quality, the, the, the production values are incredibly high in that game. Um, the, the amount of work that went into it is really high. The gameplay is really tight. Um, I just think it's a really good action game. It doesn't really, and, and, and it has the trappings of Resident Evil. It doesn't have the horror. It doesn't have the fear. It doesn't have the suspense maybe, but it does have the trappings and I love those trappings. And that gave me more, that game gave me more of those trappings than any game I've ever played in the Resident Evil game series, partially because of tons of content, (laughs) but also just because, uh, you know, just really enjoyed it. I think it was. I thought it was a fun experience. And every minute I was playing that game, it got my game of the year that year to everybody that was listening and ever heard that podcast dismay. But the reality is that I spent more time and enjoyed that game more than any other game that year, and that's what it came down to. But the other one I picked is Devil May Cry Four. So I love Devil May Cry Four. Have I ever talked about this on the podcast before, Jordan? I think a little way back in the day. Yeah. So Devil May Cry Four to me is the best Devil May Cry game there ever was. That game is the perfect example of a Devil May Cry game. I like it better than Bayonetta. I like it better than... No, I know. I like it better than Devil May Cry, Devil May Cry, the most recent one. I like it better than Devil May Cry 3. I like it better than Devil May Cry 2, because everything's better than Devil May Cry 2. (laughs) And I like it better than Devil May Cry 1. I like all those games a lot. Bayonetta is probably the second best, and then Devil May Cry 3 is awesome, and 1 is awesome, and then the remake is great. I want to finish it. I haven't finished it, but... Uh, Devil May Cry 4, to me, just I just love that game. I remember loving every bit of that game. I loved the combat. It was accessible and fun. And I loved playing as the two different characters. And I loved the puzzles. And I just loved everything about that game. It just... I, I just love... It it, 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 it it exemplifies everything I love about that genre of, like... It's like, it's like a fixed environment, uh, uh, like, adventure... You know, what do you call those games? Action adventure games, sort of. 
but with high combo multipliers and I mean it's stressful, like stressful. That's what I've always called them. Yeah, well, they're that's, that's sort of but, no. But I mean that that less is always... that one, less that game with huge bosses and 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 you know just it's almost like the the action adventure adventure version of a bullet hell game or something. It's just intense and huge combos and crazy, you know. And I've never been good enough to really do all the strings of combos. But the thing that was great about that game in particular is you could buy moves and they were simple enough to pull off. Excuse me, you switch between this new character Virgil, which I never really understood why they had Virgil because or not Virgil. Um, the other guy, you know, Nero? the Nero, because he looks just like Dante, um, mm-hmm. but, but like, like they're almost like they're so similar. But so I never understood why they did that, but I really enjoyed them. It made for a good story fodder and, and switching between him and Dante. They both had different move sets. They learned really cool moves. I just love a game like that as long as it's accessible enough that I can play it. And that one to me was just meaty and beautifully designed. The worlds you'd run around in were just gorgeous. I just love Devil May Cry 4. It's the perfect, to me, it's the perfect, and it was very underrated. People really don't like that game very much. Would you say that's true? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think it definitely has the worst reputation. I will give you that. So it it definitely fits on this list, because I I think most would say Devil May Cry 3 is the pinnacle. Yeah. Um, But I I think it has its following. It did get an HD re-release. That's true. That's true. Which which I would like to go back and play at some point. It's almost been long enough that I'd want to do that again. Because those are the kind of games. Maybe it's because of what you mentioned, the stressful aspect. Maybe it's just because, you know, because it has a fixed environment. Like when you run through these environments, the environments don't move with you. They're kind of there, and you run amidst them almost. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's like you're seeing the same environments a lot, and they really stand out in your brain, kind of like a painting versus a movie. You know, you can remember what a painting looks like much more clearly. And you can remember what, like, the movie is, because the movie's moving the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it's like how a lot of people remember the Resident Evil mansion so in detail. Exactly. move. Or the point-and-click games, like Day of the Tentacle and Full Throttle and shit. Yeah. It's like people know those so well. Maniac Mansion. Um, and so, you know, I don't know. But for me, that game is just, I just loved every bit of it. I love the bosses. I love the fighting. I love the story. I love the characters. I love the puzzles. I love finding the hidden items and the hidden power-ups. And, oh, I just love that game. Anyway. Devil May Cry 4 uh, and Resident Evil 6 are my number three pick. I will say, yeah, we might be testing your theory, because since we, we were playing Resident Evil 5 recently, Kelsey and I have considered getting Resident Evil 6 and giving it a, a fair second shake. So mm-hmm. we, we could see on that. We'll, we'll, we'll revisit. Well, that would be really cool to hear, because, you know, I think if you want to feel an experience, I mean, it's very co-op-y, uh, and if you want to have an experience that has tons of content, like you guys have played through Resident Evil 5, a couple times um, recently, right? Just because it's great to have co-op content in that world. Yeah. And play Resident Evil 6 <clears throat> spades. So I think it might give you just what you want. I think you uh, you guys might um, soften on that. Much like the world has uh, uh, retroactively realized Asylum is the best. All right. I'm over it. <laughs> All right. Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey. <clears throat> um, I guess my number three game I will go with is... Uh... A PlayStation 2 title. Well, play, PlayStation 2, I guess, Xbox 360 as well. But um, Ty the Tasmanian Tiger. Whoa! Um, okay. Some whoa, platformer what? Mode. It whoa, is, whoa, whoa, what? Sorry. I, <laughs> this was definitely akin to Jordan with your, with your game, where it's a game that no one ever talked about. And it was a game that, like, my parents bought me because they, they knew that I liked games like Spyro and Crash Bandicoot. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, Ty the Tasmanian Tiger wanted to be a mascot platformer sort of deal and i loved this game i wish people would talk about this game more just so i could have people to fawn over it with um i showed it well quasi showed it to jordan there was a speed run of it um during sgdq stayed up to watch it i did 
Yeah, it's such Thanks, a Yoda. fun game. Thanks, nice Yoda. Well, I was going to say, because I remember Kelsey went to sleep, I think. I did. I was too tired to stay up for it. But I was, but I was like, it was at like three o'clock in the morning, and I was just like, no. But anyways, um, it's just it's a really, really good, really fun platformer. You play as this, you play as Ty the Tasmanian Tiger, and you go through the shocking, and you go through the Australian Outback, and you collect these elemental boomerangs, and that's like the whole thing as you're going through the MacGuffins. <laughs> They collect these elemental boomerangs, and it's really fun, and you collect these thunderstones that are each different elements that help unlock the next area, and you need all the boomerangs to... It's just, it was a really good platformer, and a really underrated platformer, in yeah, my opinion. I never heard anybody tell me to play that, and I love mascot platformers, so that could be a really good time. No, no well, it is. I, I would suggest if you are looking for a mascot platformer and have, like, a working 360 PlayStation 2, definitely give this a shot. It's so much fun. It's really cute. I, I love the characters that were in it, and there's this whole level where you ride on the back of a bull that's really fun that you fought as a boss previously, and it's it's just, it, it's so cute in the way it all fits together, and I just, I loved it. And also, they all have Australian accents, and they're all animals, and they're all adorable. I, I think that's a good example, though, of, like, how, you know, when you think of mascot platformers from the mid 2000s Jack, Sly, and Ratchet are the ones that stand out, and there were a bunch of other releases, because that was still the genre of the day, and it's like... That just happens to be the one you got super connected to. You know, definitely. I mean, I played all the other ones because, like I said, that's my parents bought it from me because I sure. played all the other ones, and they were like, "This is akin to it." And I just, I feel like that there's it's, just something to it. Yeah, there's just something to it that was a lot of a lot of fun. It's definitely one of my favorite platformers of that that era. That you know, I probably I probably do like it more than Jack and Daxter actually. When I think, oh, that wow. interesting. No, I don't. I, I don't. Uh, I could see that. No, yeah, that's entirely but, possible. But yeah, so that is my number three game, Jordan. Okay, so for ah, I go back and forth on my number two here, because I, 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 you know what, I'm gonna switch out an honorable mention for my number two slot because I think this one deserves a little more cred than it ever gets. Number two for me is a game that I played on the 360, but also came out on the Xbox. It came out right around the generation switch. You know. I, I, I don't know why, because usually games that come out in that period, they just get played because if you buy a 360 at launch, you want a game to play on it, right? Uh, and, and I just feel like no one ever... I think there are people who do, but I really love Gun, which was the one... Oh, Gun's the good! Western, yeah, but no one ever talks about it, because I think Red Dead did implement a lot of different ideas better, and people always talk about... But the people talk about Red Dead like it's such a revelation, but I think Gun actually did a lot of the things Red Dead does... Um, if not as well, to a very solid degree. I mean, Gun has a... F- wait, 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 wait. Are you talking about Red Dead Redemption or Red Dead Revolver? Redemption. That's no, the one so Redemption is a, is, is, a, is a sprawling masterpiece. Like, Gun is much more akin to, like, Call of Juarez or something. Like, it's level-based. No, it's an open-world game. It's is got it? missions. It's open-world. You go, you go on... You have an open-world map. Now, it might have been a little segmented, like, between no. acts. But no, it's an open-world game. Really? Yeah. I feel like I remember that game being like you go, like this whole area is not re- open yet, and then you get to this area, you do this mission and that mission. It's very like like story-based. Like you just do one. I mean, after- it is story-based, but so is any open-world game. All right. I don't know. I really thought that was much more of like an action-adventure Call of Juarez type level after level. I guess I'm wrong about that. Maybe, right. I, I don't know. It's been a while. It might not be, but I remember it being pretty open. So if it was okay. level-based... 
I, I, no, no, Gun features an open world environment, including side missions that add to the story. So. Wow. Yeah. So that's, but, but see, yeah, no one re- fully remembers Gun, and it's weird to me because I remember having a blast. I loved the Western setting. I loved the slight sci, more sci-fi, weird Western elements of the story. I thought it actually had some pretty good story beats and twists, and I still remember elements of Gun. Now, again, it came out like five years before Red Dead, and it's not as polished or as pretty looking, but, I think it's a surprisingly good time that, I don't know how well it would hold up now, but might be worth going back to, because if you really like Red Dead and people want a sequel, people want a sequel, maybe this isn't as good as Red Dead or it wouldn't hold up as well, but this gives you a lot of what I think people would want out of a Red Dead Yeah, Gun was mad game. fun. Gun was uh, mad yeah. fun. Now that I look back at this, I'm like, man, this game is so fucking fun. I think it really, this is one that's more, I think, just solidly underrated, where I, I feel like it should have a bigger following just because of when it came out, and as a, you know, a, not a, maybe not a system seller, but a game that came out with the system and, and could be there at the right time. I don't know. I just always think back on Gun, because when people are like, Red Dead, Red Dead, Red Dead, my mind always goes, yeah, Red Dead's really, really good, but so was Gun. That's always like my first instinct, is to remember that game. So uh, for me, number two is Gun. Nice. I'm just going to put a little uh, honorable mention and throw it in there as well. If you have not, if, along those same lines, if you have not played Call of Juarez, the original one is, is pretty good. It's a little rough, but it's good. The second one, Bound by Blood, is a masterpiece. It, I can't say it's underrated. If you play a great Western game, fucking masterpiece. All right, enough said. All right, uh, so, well, I guess that does bring us to your number two, Rich. Oh, does it? Okay. Um, boy, all right, let's see here. Um, I'm going to go with a duo that's right from the same era, uh, uh, that your last pick was from, and that is right when we're switching over to the Xbox 360. And the Xbox 360 is really, I, I did the most gaming in my life. Like I've been, I've been the hardest core gamer in the 360 era, and now into this era now. But like that was really when I really jumped in hard. Was was the 360 era, and for me there were two games, both of which, one of which is hated, and one of which is just overlooked. Both of which I love to pieces. Um, and there's really, and the third game in this series, like these are the three games that really got me like passionately in love with the 360. The third one was Call of Duty 2, but everybody knows that's a masterpiece. Yeah, and it, and it is. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing to say about that, except that I still think it's the best Call of Duty there ever has been, which is not, which is not, you know, a generally uh, held notion. But I love that game. But anyway, the other two games that really got me into it were Perfect Dark Zero, Whew. which I love, by the way. That game is just fucking fun. People were bitches to that game. That, there is, that game is mad fun. Everyone's like, oh, puts little footsteps where you're supposed to walk and ruins the fun of figuring out where you need to go. Shut up. It's a waypoint, dude. It's Don't like, besmirch Perfect Dark's honor. Perfect Dark Zero is a fucking masterpiece. I love that game. It's No, it's not a masterpiece. But I... <laughs> I I I'm, I was getting overpassionate, but it is a really fun game that I do not know why people didn't like it. The shooting's mad fun. It's just so fun. If you want to play a really fun game, give that game a try. It's been a while since I played it, so I don't remember all the reasons why I loved it at the time, but I loved it. I used to go to the uh, 
before I even had a 360, I used to go to like, the, uh, like there was this game arcade at the like at the mall, and you could go. There was an era. I don't know if some some places still have these, but we used to have it where there's like video game systems and TVs set up at a store, and you go in for like ten dollars an hour or ten dollars for two hours and play shit. Well, there isn't one anymore, but back in the day of 360, there was. And I went there and played Perfect Dark Zero with me and my girlfriend at the time and another friend of ours, and we were all playing co-op, and it was so fun. I just really liked that game. Another game from that era, and this will be my official pick here because I really wanted to pick something nobody ever talks about and nobody expects to come from me, and that is Condemned Criminal Origins. Have you guys played this? I've always wanted to play it. I remember I I played a bit of it. I didn't get super far in. So this is a Sega game, right? Uh, Sega doesn't put out shit, but they put this out. I think that, they put out it, Sonic. Yeah, isn't isn't it isn't uh, condemned a Sega game? I think it is. Let me make sure. Uh, I'll look it up. Possibly, if you, if you want to keep talking. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I love Condemned Criminal Origins. This game is, you know, a lot of people want to call it a shooter, but it's much more a melee weapon game, um, and it's so cool. So, I when I first heard about 360. Uh, I went over to a friend's house. Uh, he was somebody I barely knew. He's actually the nephew of uh, Strange Story. He's the nephew of Ray Romano. And Ray Romano actually sent him the money he used to buy his 360 that I then played. So that's kind of cool. Um, but anyway, this dude, he had condemned, and he put it on for me to show off how badass his 360 was. Because this game is gory and gruesome and gross and badass, right? So he puts it on, and he's like, dude, just try it. And I pick it up, and I have this crowbar and then this piece of wood board, and I'm just beating the shit out of dudes. That game is so scary. It is truly scary. There's like two or three games I've ever played that scared me. Resident Evil 4 is one of them. It still scares me. The mood in that game is just spooky. Now, in this game, when you walk through this like like uh, uh, mall 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 uh, uh, like like Macy's kind of store with mannequins and they're all, and like you never know when someone's gonna some like you know uh, they're all like thugs that jump out at you and try to kill you. It's just and it has all the themes of like a, that movie Seven, and like you know, and your character's kind of like a you know a down on his luck kind of like sketchball himself. So what he's seeing may or may not be true. Oh my god, that game is so good, and it does something very few games have done. Like Zombie U did it pretty well, Dead Island did it pretty well. It's another game that's really good that a lot of people don't like. The Dead Island games, I love those too. There's a lot of games I like people don't like, aren't there? Yeah. Uh, I really like the Dead Island games a lot too. But anyway, um, a lot of these games that have done that thing where, like, you know, you have like a like a like a melee weapon and you use it in a first-person way. Um, and this is just the game that really did that first for me and best. And so I just love Criminal Origins. And is it Sega? It, w- it was published by Sega and Warner Brothers. Oh. It was developed by Monolith Productions. Oh, that's right. They're the ones who went on to do uh, Dead Dead. No, was it? Let me see. Monolith. Uh, let me see what they went on to do. I think they did Dead Space. I'm pretty sure. No, uh, Fear! No. Yeah, they did Fear. Oh, I love Fear too. Oh, and Damn they it. did Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Man, I'm just like feeling like playing games, man. <laughs> All right. All right, that's it. I'm done. Galsy, number two. My number two game. My number two game is going to be Lollipop Chainsaw. Ooh, oh, wow. I love this game and i love it for all of its dumb gory wonderful chainsaw just mm, everything no they should have put I, that on the box that sounded a little I sexual think. that little uh, thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm so, i get so emotional when i think about this game no it's just 
it, it hit me at a time where I just wanted a really dumb action game. Yeah. And that was it. And also, Actually, one of the that best. Appropriate talking about Lollipop Chainsaw. Now that I think about it. Go ahead. Yeah. But and also one of the dumbest things that is one of my favorite things about the game is you can create your own playlist, and it has some really good music on there. So I would like go in and I'd make my own playlist, and just you just cut up zombies and they just spill out rainbows and other things, and you're doing all these cheerleader moves and hitting them with pom poms while like, you know. Uh, Pac-Man Fever's playing on in the background. It was just amazing and frenetic. And the boss battles are actually really fun and really varied. And, like, it was so good. Like, there's the one where you fight the punk zombie and you have to literally slice through his his words. Words literally are his weapon. And there's a DJ who, like, flies into space and you take down a spaceship. And it's just, it's such a fun game. It's so mindlessly entertaining. And, I mean, yeah. I understand that a lot of the problems with it that people had were like that it's very pervy and like fan servicey, but it, it it knows that it is. I don't feel like it's done in a way that like is cheap. It's it's like no, they're gonna overly play this like in a like in any anime like there's like fan servicey bits and whatnot and like they play into it purposefully because they're like this is you know what it is and. But it's just it's so much fun. It's so much fun to mindlessly. I actually really would like to play through it. Don't want to just just rub up your chainsaw and just slice through hordes of teenagers while saving who profess their love to you and whatnot. It's just on the 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 head is awesome. Oh yeah, and then your boyfriend who's the head who's on your butt. Yeah, and you can use the tickets, and then you get tickets, and you can use him to like as a weapon. It's just so much fun. It's just such a fun game. I love that game so so much. It's oh oh, I said fun memories playing that game. I don't have the you know I know you each have a have a have a um suda game that that you you have strong feelings for because Rich obviously has one as well I don't know if that's going to be on your list no it's not you can go ahead and say yeah it. Shadows of the Damned I um, love that yeah that game is amazing that's my I pick think I think theirs. I think they're both solid enough I think Lollipop Chains are a little worse than Shadows of the Damned in my estimation but I think I I get why you both like those games like I think they felt the they hit the right note at the right time for you guys. Oh yeah, definitely, De- definitely. Shadows of the Damned actually was on. It was made my sh- short list of things, but I was like, yeah. I-, I think it's there's enough people that is a, a cult following. But like, for if I was going to pick a suited game that was you know favorite unpopular, Law Pop Chainsaw is definitely one. Yeah, that sure. I don't feel like it's I'll tell you enough what would be love. Fu- what would be fun to talk about that's a real like real closet call would be uh, uh, what's that one on the uh, on the GameCube? Um, oh, Killer Seven. Oh God! That Always game wanted is, to go to that game. That yeah. game is a masterfully crazy, shitty to play, but like <laughs> supposedly, supposedly absolutely fascinating genius game. Just stick with know. it. Stick with it. That's what they say, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about that one, but man, I really want to go back to it one day. That would be a really fun let's play to do. That would be. Yeah. Because that game's that game's crazy you really got to be like you need a guide for that shit too it's just like nah dude nah you should have known by the fact that like you needed to like take there's like seven characters in it and you have to take like certain characters and like slit their wrists open and spray blood on the wall in a certain location for like a door code to appear it's ridiculous yeah yeah that game that game confuses but no i would love to play it there's one character that's just like slits their wrists and uses the blood like blood magic Mm -hmm. it's fucking nuts Oh, I know it's nuts, but, uh, you know, that's a game I've always wanted to play just because I've played, you know, the other ones, so. 
The one yeah, I not. really, really didn't was disappointed by in that series was uh, the last one. I think you liked that one though, Jordan. Uh, which one? The the more recent one. Um, I have the box over there because I had. The, oh, uh, oh, Killer is Dead. No, I didn't. No, Killer is Dead was ridiculous. I hate Killer is Dead. With oh my god, <laughs> why is it so bad? Why do you have to fuck up so bad? That game sucks. He 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 swings hard. Sometimes I would gonna much play. rather play either of the. Um, uh, uh, Moe, what is that game? Um, the, uh, with, uh, touch, quarterback, touchdown, Travis touchdown. Oh, 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 oh. no more heroes. Oh. I've yeah. to play either of those games. Never played those. I've always wanted to as well. Oh, they're great. I can't believe you never played them. I could have sworn you did. I always on the list. Never got there. Those are great. You should play the, uh, there's, there's Desperate Struggle is available on like PS3 and shit. You should play that. I think it's on 362, which is the remake of No More Heroes 1. And it's, it's probably the way to play it. I don't know. But then again, playing it with the Wiimote's kind of key. I don't know. Well, cool. Uh, so honorable mentions now, I guess? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I have a few quick ones. Uh, these first two are games that are objectively bad. So it's it's not even – I don't even want – I didn't put it on the list because, like, I don't really have a defense for them. I just remember enjoying playing them. But I can't even say they're, like, super great classics. Uh, and these are Destroy All Humans Path of the Furon, which was the last – That's fun. It was yeah, it was fun. It's it's pretty bad and shoddy in a lot of ways, but it was almost exploitably bad. So it, it kind of like wrapped back around to be fun again. I don't know. The other one, and I know Rich is going to agree with me on this one. X Men Destiny is a yep. lot more fun than people. It was on my honorable mention list. Yep. Yeah, that that game. Uh, it is bad in a lot of ways, but it is a solid way to spend um, an afternoon or two. I think. Uh, for the next one, this was originally my, this one I felt like does get respect, but I don't know if it's for the same reason. I went with Saints Row 2, because people talk about Saints Row, and I think the third gets so much love because it, like, amped up the crazy, but I don't think enough people talk about how, actually, a very heartful story Saints Row 2 surprisingly has. They talk about all the crazy, over-the-top stuff that happens, but, uh, it actually managed to have some heart. But, uh, but, you know, I know people do love that game, too, so I didn't feel like it really belonged on the top spot. And then the game that was originally my number two, because it got savaged by reviewers and I didn't understand why, was Spider-Man Edge of Time, which I thought was pretty solid. Probably because Shattered Dimensions was about 300 times better, but you know. I don't know. And because I... that game takes place in one building. It's a very built... We've had this argument. <laughs> <laughs> we'll continue to have this argument. It's a uh, big building with, with different areas of yeah, the Yeah, there's building. like a hydroponics section. I love when you bring the hydroponic section up. It just makes my day. Anyway, I enjoyed that game. I there thought... was a hydroponic section on the boat in Gears of War 3, dude. <laughs> there was. There was. <laughs> Isn't that where uh, Dom hung out? Yeah, dude. He yeah. was about it. He was about it. He was um, like, check out these hydroponics. So... I want to die. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, right, for a five-year-old game. No, I don't. I, I, got a, I, I had to mention Spider-Man Age of Time. I just felt like... I wanted to bring up Gun because I think it, it just gets forgotten. Gun rule. Um, so, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Rich? All right. So um, I'm going to just buzz through a couple here real quick. Um, I have two Wii games that I really liked um, that never get any love. Um, they are – actually, I'll, I'll start with NES. So I had an NES game that I really liked back in the day. I don't think I, people liked very much The Adventures of Bayou, Bayou Billy. <laughs> I, have, I have really good uh, remembrance of that. You know, everybody loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that game by Ultra. Yeah, I think I told this story on the podcast before, but long time I went, ago. Because I remember yeah, I going, "Adventures of Bio Billy." 
first time I did it, which is great. It's aged well. I think you did because I remember that episode. I listened to that. I <laughs> Holy to that shit, episode. that's funny. Holy shit, that's funny. I totally forgot. All right. <sighs> anyway, well, that just says it all. I'm going to move on. All right. So, um, oh, my God, Jordan. So, yeah, but, but, um, but, oh, and I have to tell the story, though. But I went to Best, and uh, it was not Best Buy, Best, which used to be a store. And there were two games on sale for, like, 40 bucks instead of 50 for Nintendo. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And Bayou Billy. So I went to get Ninja Turtles, <laughs> but it was sold out. <laughs> so I had to get Bayou Billy instead. But I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that game. A lot of people hate that game, and boy, does that sum it up, Jordan. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, so then jumping up to Wii, um, two games on Wii I really enjoyed, one of which is weird. I just wanted to enjoy it, so I think I did, which was Medal of Honor, like that Wii game. <laughs> Um, I just like the fact that, like, because we, I always wanted we to like get get a first person shooter right, and because it was so underpowered, it was always hard, a, a tar, tough thing to pull off. But that game actually did it pretty well, aiming down the sights, like iron sighting in with like a nice, like a nice carbine in that game, just really felt good. So I really enjoyed that, although no one gives it any love or even knows it exists. Another one that I really liked is one everybody knows exists because it was a launch title for the Wii, and it was really great. Nobody ever gave it any love. Was Red Steel. That game was mad good. Did you ever no, play that, that, Jordan? Oh, yeah. That was that was the game that made me believe in the Wii. Um, I loved Red Steel. Yeah. I didn't even think of that one, but that is a really good pick. Yeah, people savaged the shit out of that, but it is actually really excellent. Um, super fun. Super, super fun. You may, you switch between guns and swords with your Wii mode. It's just baller. All right. Um, another one on Wii. Uh, was this on Wii? I think it was on Wii. Uh, is uh, Guilty Party. Okay, yeah, that was a fun time, too. We loved that. We all played that one together, Jordan and I. And were you there, Kelsey? I don't think so, because I don't I think, think I... I, I don't... Yeah, it was yeah. yeah. But that game is just phenomenal. Uh, it's just it's just a really good... It takes, like, this Disney game, Guilty Party, and, like, turns it into a video game. And it it's just... I don't know if there was, like, a board game first or not. Was there? I don't know, but it was Disney. That That is true. It was, like, Disney produced. It was kind of like Clue, but, like, really fun. What was so good about it? I forget, but I know I loved it. I forget. Honestly, it's been so long. Um, I, I wonder if because they they had random mode, it wouldn't maybe even be the worst thing to revisit. But it, it just it 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 let everyone explore, and you you were trying to track down witnesses and ask them questions, and then find clues, and then accuse people the right way. Yeah. And it had this ongoing story across. Yeah. I think it was about five cases, and we, we yeah, just that's had a blast. Right. By, by the, yeah, it's true. By the end, but the problem is the game was like the least replayable game ever released because once you knew the story, it was zero playable. It wasn't like randomizable or anything. It was well, like they had a randomized mode, but it was all the same things. And at that point, it was just you know like mixing up the clue card packets. There wasn't any kind of like interactive cutscenes or anything. No, it was it was it was played. It was played out at that point. But it was really fun. If you haven't played it, play it. Yeah, because I, it's I would super fun. That. It is super fun. Uh, and then the last little um, picks I'm gonna have for this for this honorable mention are three games that fall into one category. Um, actually, four games. And they are um, Singularity, Time Shift, Dark Sector, and Dark Void. <laughs> and, and I mention all of them because they're all similar. They really are. I mean, yeah. I can't fault you on that. They are literally four games that are all like third or first person action games that use some kind of gimmick. So in Dark Void, it was like you could switch between like it was like you were fighting against UFO aliens and like you had like certain special powers like magic and shit, I think. In Dark Sector, you, you had, had this, 
glaive, right? And you threw it, and it was really fun. And you could infuse your glaive with certain different, like, abilities. Like, it could become a lightning glaive, and you solve puzzles with it. And then you shot dudes, and then you, like, hit dudes in melee. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, Singularity and Time Shifter are even more similar to one another. Singularity is the better of the two, I think. Yeah. Um, just a really fun game that plays with time mechanics um, and time weaponry and all that cool stuff. And Time Shift was like more arcadey, but also really fun. I, all four of those games were really, really fun. If you haven't played them, grab a 360 and grab those four games, and you've got like two solid weeks, if not a month, of like awesome third party, third person and first person action. They're back from the era when you could still get away with like what the big thing on the PS2 was, and your your shooter just needed a gimmick. It needed the like the hook. Yep. And everything else could be generic as hell about it, but if you had the hook. It, like for example, one of the pre- one of the predica- predecessors to this was were games like PsyOps, the Mindgate conspiracy on PS2, for example. And it's like this is a, a shooting game, like a third-person shooter, but the hook is you can use your mind to control shit. <laughs> you know, it's it's got ESP and psi powers. Isn't that rad? You know, and it was rad. It got me excited, you know. So anyway, and then those games really sort of took that, you know, forward. Oh, yeah. And Kelsey, your honorable mentions. All right. I'll just blaze through a few of mine. Um, One I want to talk about is uh, we actually touched on earlier that I've played 12 hours of uh, Operation Raccoon City. Uh, That game got and rightly so. It's a terrible (laughs) game. I'm not defending it by saying it's a good game. Sounds like you're defending it. That is not. No, it's fun, and I don't know why it's fun. Probably because it's so bad. Um, <laughs> but and honestly, it's. I don't even. It, it. What what you see is what you get with that game. It does not try to be anything more than a dumb party shooter, like just like group shooter. And I think it tries to be a lot more than that. I think it tries to like meaningfully play into the. Resident Evil I franchise. Mean, it does. And it does not succeed. And it doesn't. No, oh no. <laughs> I, I would never defend that game as being a good game. It's not. It's a terrible game. And I have no idea why I have so much fun playing the game, but I did. Probably you I and had, your brother were just so, having a good yeah, time. No, we were just having a good time. Yeah, my brother actually bought it. It was like five bucks, so why not? We put it in, and it's it, it, was, just, it was just a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so Operation Raccoon City, touch on that. Um, uh, one of my favorite shooters, actually, of all time, is uh, Bulletstorm, and Ooh, I don't feel like yeah. that ever gets the credit that it deserves no, for being and it, a it really should. good shooter. That really is a good game. It it, it really, um, if you're looking for a shooter that's, like, <laughs> more than meets the eye, <laughs> I guess, that has a lot of really fun elements in it and makes it really fun to shoot things and do different combos and whatnot, I definitely recommend playing Bulletstorm. It's for the 360. It's and it's funny too. Like I love Grayson Hunt. He's one of my favorite. And Waggleton P. Tally Licker will live forever in my memory. If only, man, you know, I've always wanted to play that. If only I had a friend who had lent it to me like five years ago. I know. Ah, just me. sitting if in my box. If only it was just sitting probably behind you right now. <laughs> I um, don't know. That'd be great. It would be great. Um, another one is I talk about it all the time. It was my game of the year. D four. D4 is such a good game. Yeah. And I I'm, wish... I, I even underrate that thing. Yeah. That game, it, it's 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 beautiful. It's so beautifully dumb. And honestly, like, not even joking, like, not even over-hyping it. It's the best Connect game I've played. 
like it actually really uses the connect controls and you feel like you're doing the things because like you know he does that whole thing we put his hand up to his eye you literally it's fun it's just and the, the the controls are so good and it works really well as a connect game and also as a game that you play on your controller and I just feel like it was underrated and it was free, so shame on you if you didn't download it. True, but true. you should also buy it. And my last one, uh, we talked about briefly, uh, that I think has a really big cult following, which is why it's not, I, I took it off of my actual list, is Shadows of the Damned. It's such a fun game. It's just, it's so raunchy and Garcia Hotspur and Johnson and everybody in it. It's just so good. And the boss fights, again, are really fun. And a variety of different ways that you have to fight the bosses and you use your guns. And the guns are just really cool. and so fun. You know, it's, it's so just, fun. And I just think the things – I always mention this, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but one of the things that – like a great example of what makes that game so good is the fact that they're not afraid to have the main character be a dumbass. Not a dumbass, but be illiterate. You know, he doesn't, yeah, no. When, when he, he reads his story. He can't read. And, yeah. then, and then the big uh, Johnson has to has to read it for him and, and, and kind of so like it. What's great about it is, you know, Suda takes crazy risks and he he's willing to have a character that is so cool, is stylish, is incredibly good fighter, is really badass. But he just he can't read like that's just he just can't. That's part of his character. And mm-hmm. I've never seen that before in a game. And that kind of like risk and daringness and just originality is just one of the reasons that game is so good. No, it is. And I like the dark and light mechanics that they have in it. Uh, you know, the shadows that you have to smack off of them with your, your light in order to actually do damage and, and all that stuff. They're a lot better than they do it in uh, Alan Wake, I'll tell you that. I well, I'm playing through that right now. I I'm, I'm I probably am inclined to agree with you, but anyways, but ah. no, but those are my my honorable mentions. I stand alone. Let me change my number one to Alan Wake. Jesus. No, <laughs> no I uh, like the game, but if we're talking about light and dark mechanics, ah, uh, fair enough, fair enough. I just remember when we talked Alan Wake before, I got just teamed up on, not All by right. you and Rich, by Rich and Tim. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I guess so that no. was everything for you. Number one. Yeah, you're number one. My number one game? So this is one, you know, I don't know what it is with this game, man. I, I have not. I was so excited for it for years, but we're going, we're talking going back to like 2005, 2006, when it was first profiled in Game Informer. And in a lot of ways, this is like one of those gimmick games like Rich put on, uh, rattled off in his honorable mentions. But when it came out, I got it. I was super excited about it. And then I've, I've somehow, out of all the games I've sold over the years, I still own this thing like seven years later. Oh my god, I know what it is. And I'm always just like, I need to go back to this game and finish it because I have so much fun when I finish it, when I play it, when I, because the, it, 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 it does kind of what Just Cause 3 does by allowing you this big playground to play around in without actually doing the same story, the main story. And the main story is pretty good. The Saboteur from <laughs> Pandemic Swan Song. I, I have such a weird, freaking appreciation for this game because i wanted it for so long and then when i got it i loved the mood i loved the setting i loved the whole bring color back to the city mechanic i love that it was a different take on world war ii by actually putting us in paris during the occupation i liked that there were so many things to go around and blow up and and again kind of like just cause like i was saying going and and blowing up uh the occupation forces their speakers and their uh watchtowers and all of that 
And I liked uh, the, Sean, the main character, who's this race car driver who gets kind of pulled into the the resistance effort just by complete happenstance. And when he and when he uh, cleans up areas, they turn from black and white to color. Did you already say that? Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, yeah, that's what's one of the cool. That was the thing. That was like the gimmick for the All saboteur right. when they were announcing it. But I just remember thinking it was such a cool setting. It was such a cool idea for a game. It was a pretty cool uh, gimmick as far as those things go. And it holds up really well. The, the the ecosystem of it, of having like the little vendors where you can refill your ammo and then the secret bases that you can warp to and uh, liberating different parts of the city. The car, because racing is part of his character, the races are actually pretty solid. It has surprisingly good car mechanics. Just, I really love that game. I still haven't finished it. I actually have started it over a couple times because I want to get back into it and really give it a go. And But I just, I never give up on it, even when other games will come out. And you know... I, I, this game, it did just kind of come out. I think it got an okay critical response, and then obviously Pandemic went out of business, which was a shame, because they had made a lot of other great games over the years. Um, they were Destroy All Humans, right? Yeah, that was yeah. their that was their swan song. And, and you know, it, it actually wasn't even released until they were already under, which was very sad. It was, but I, I hold an eternal flame in my heart. For some reason, for the saboteur, there's just... It, it scratches some undefinable itch that every every couple of years I'll just be like let's let's tr- let's go back to the saboteur um, and I I just always have a good time with it so I think that is one that people really should give more of a shot to I don't think people talk about it I think it is in a lot of ways to be fair uh, fairly straightforward generic open world game but it's a really solid one and and I just love it so that's my All number right. one pick so you ready for me to drop the mic oh. I, I guess. It's not about my pick. It's about the fact that that was a guess game. Oh. Nice. Okay. I kind of, I thought it might be. That was it. That was the S game. Yep. Um, I remember that that is a game that you absolutely love. And it's one of those games that like, I, when I saw you playing it, I was like, he is proud about how much he likes this game. Not in a shitty way, but just in a like, it's a, it's a fun game to be a fan of. You know what I mean? It really it's just like this is it's just a, if you had to pick a game to like be a champion for you really couldn't pick better than the saboteur and i know that that holds a place in your heart so yeah that was the one i was thinking of that i didn't want to mention for fear of ruining your pick and boy was i right well good call man <laughs> i would well at this point i, I would have killed that pick yeah <laughs> i hope so man i hope so the years we've been doing this podcast all right um so my number one pick uh is i mean i guess some people would consider it a mic drop nobody here is going to be surprised to hear this um, but, um, well, I guess it's just really, I, I hate to, hate to pick just one of these two. Um, but bring the hammer down, you do have to bring the hammer down. So, you know, the two I was really, uh, struggling between at the end here were, uh, two human and Metroid other M. Okay. Um, these are both games that had huge hype machines behind them in two humans case. This is Dennis Dyack's. The first part in his trilogy of masterpieces, using Norse mythology. Was it Norse mythology? Yeah, it was, because yeah. I, I wanted to play Two Humans so badly. Yeah, it was Norse, I... Norse mythology, and it was going to be, like, you know, you sprawling fucking adventure. It was going to take place over three games. Oh, it, this, this amazing combat where, like, you actually, like, push the stick to slide and attack, and then you auto-attack, and then you add other buttons for flourishes. It was just, like, so, like, hyped. And he had done uh, one of my favorite games of all time, which is 
Um, oh my God, I just, uh, I just dropped, I just blanked on the name. That's really sad. Eternal Darkness. And mm -hmm. then, and then he also did the remake of Metal Gear Solid 1, which is the way I played Metal Gear Solid 1 the, the first time. The Twin Snakes. Right, on GameCube, which is probably the Quinn. Eh, some people say it wouldn't be, but it's, <clears> it's, it's one, it's a very good way to play that game. Let's put it that way. They did a really solid job on that port. And then, Two Human was going to be like their big masterpiece. And it came out, and it was, I mean, I love the game. It's super fun. It's super fun to play. Uh, using the stick to fight is fun once you get used to it. It's got like three different classes or something. I mean, it's just a game that if it was ten times bigger than it was and it actually had had a trilogy, it might have been like uh, you know, a seminal game that was never forgotten and literally held its place in history. But the amount that he hyped it and the battle that he got into with uh, – with with one of the biggest gaming companies at the time, Epic Games, over their use of the Unreal Engine and how they supposedly didn't give him enough like development support while he was using it, so he didn't want to pay his licensing fees, and it was just this big fight in court, and it just overshadowed that game. And at a certain point, in the way he was talking, he he has the biggest ideas. Like he's like he may even have a bigger mouth than Peter Molyneux, you know? <laughs> like he would say things like. I'm looking forward to a one console future and this is why. And he was like, he's like the sage in his fucking gaming design chair, you know? And he's just, he's just a, he's just a, you know, hype machine. And now he, he can't even get a fucking kickstarted cheapy little reboot of, <laughs> of eternal darkness, uh, launched. I mean, you know, he's nowhere now and it's too bad because there's really great ideas in two human. It's a really fun game to play. And the hours that you play the game are mad fun. It's just that there's not enough of it, and the ideas are undercooked. What do you think, Kelsey? No, Two Human was always a game that I wanted to play. I was super stoked for it. It, it was really – the Norse mythology always interested me uh, um, for it, and it was just this bigger-than-life game. I remember like, – no, he, the way he talked about it was like, this will be like a transcendent, like, just beautiful masterpiece over these three games. And then everyone was like, yeah, it sucks. Don't buy it. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> You know, yeah, so I never played it. It doesn't suck. What did you think, Jordan? It is surprisingly solid. A friend in high school uh, lent me their copy. And, you know, I think it's pretty janky in a lot of ways, and there are some problems with it. And if I remember anything from that game, it's Valkyries falling down from the sky to revive me. But mm -hmm. it it was fun. I did enjoy my time with it. But I, I, I think... You know, I think with a sequel, they could have done a lot with it. We talk about that a lot. We talk about how Assassin's Creed does that. We talk about how there are so many Borderlands 2. We talk about a lot of games where the sequel really nails it. And I think uh, Two Human... It looks human... like Watch Dogs 2 is going to be that. Yeah. It looks like, you know, Two Human, I assume with the numeral 2 instead of the also 2, as because that would have been a brilliant sequel title, uh, would have really brought everything together and really kind of solidified what made that first game interesting, if not, you know, stellar. Uh, so I, I was always I was a bit bummed too. Human never got a follow up. I, I, I will admit, I, I definitely was. But anyway, just to finish off, um, my other pick, and it falls in the same category. And this, this is sort of cheating, but we're we're being kind of loose with all this, and that is at least I'm being loose with all this. Yeah, we've uh, all kind of thrown a lot out, but that's yeah. fine. But anyway, so Metroid Other M is a game again that fell and got totally crushed by its hype because this was the game. Like first of all, people been dying for a Metroid, like kind of a 2D Metroid game again. Uh, it's still technically 3D, but it's kind of like 2.5D because it's got a lot of side-scrolling aspects and a lot of, it uses a lot of the mechanics from, like, you know, the games before Prime. And there hadn't been a game, Metroid game, since Prime. And guess what? There hasn't been one since Other M. People are dying for one. And actually, historically, today, when we're recording this podcast, is the day that the next official Metroid game came out, and it is 
uh, Federation Force. And it's getting mixed reviews, but, you know, it's not really a traditional Metroid game. Now everybody's new hope is that it's going to be an NX game, you know, the real. And that's why that that's why Retro Studios has been hiding, and they've been hiding out making the next big Metroid. And it's possible. I'm really hoping that's true. But anyway, Other M uh, was not only was it done by was it the new Metroid game, but it was done by Team Fucking Ninja. So like it was like take everything great about Ninja Gaiden for the for the PlayStation three no, for the Xbox. Ninja mm-hmm. Gaiden for the Xbox and then eventually they did a port on PS three. And that Team Ninja at at the height of its game was making this game. So we we're like, man, the combat's gonna be great and they're gonna do the lore right and it's just gonna be awesome. And it was a combo between like Nintendo and Team Ninja. And they just got the story all wrong. The story was just uh, – it was, I guess, probably a lot like Ninja Gaiden, right? Um, it was, you know, where there's these women in scantily clad outfits, like, you know, saying, Ryu, come this way, and, like, leaning down on their chest, bobbing. And, you know, the next character has an even bigger chest of these big boobs hanging out. It, you know, like Dead or Alive 4, and then there was Dead or Alive Extreme Volleyball were also games from that kind of well, story. You know, so – you know, it, the biggest problem with Samus Aran was always her agency. They they understood that, and they, they were like, we need to get that right out of there. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, they totally understood that what she really needed, instead of being a badass bounty hunter, was to be bitched out by a commanding officer and to have all of her abilities at the beginning of the game but not use them even though they're called for because Adam, her commanding officer, said no. Yeah, I remember everyone hated that. They it was were like, horrendous. Who is this character? <laughs> It was horrendous, and and second of all, the story was a retcon like a motherfucker. Nobody heard of Adam before, you know what I mean? Like it's just it's just ridiculous. And so anyway, um, the story was a complete mess. What was not a mess was the fucking gameplay, which is fucking masterful. That game is so fun to play. Nobody remembers it, but it's actually also similar to Two Human in that it used a lot of like, you know, it was a Wii game. It used a lot of like gesture based. Like, uh, you know, you don't, you almost like certain things were kind of automated so that you could do stuff. So you would like, you would, you would, you would dodge by like swinging the Wiimote away, like hit a button in your dodge to do like an attack. This really good, like ebb and flow to combat that was just fucking. I mean, that game was just really fun to play. And the exploration elements and the powering up was really good. I mean, everything about that game, its gameplay was just. It got completely destroyed. Nobody talks about how fun it was because everybody talks about how horrible it was. And I get it wrong. So I'd say Awesome. Uh, Kelsey. Alright. My game is a game that no, I, I, it's another game like much like that I love, and I, I would just scream it from the rooftops because everyone should play this game, especially if you like Diablo-like games. And it's called Dark Dark Sun was actually the first like dungeon crawler that I played. Ooh, and it, it, it was it's so good. You it has um one of the one of the like the whole story is that there's this like evil sorcerer you turn into again. In order to fight him and kill him and whatnot. It looks like Diablo. No, it, it is. It's, based, yeah, it's basically Diablo. And so amazing. It has um, randomly generated quests. So, like, every time you play it, it's a little different because you'll get different fetch quests than you did the last time. Um, you can actually play as two characters at the same time. 
there is a food meter that you do have to keep track of, which is a little annoying. But also there's an age. There's like an age thing. Your character does age up, and as you age up, your stats start to degrade a little bit. So like the longer you play the game, the longer it takes you to do things, the more your character ages up. So then you start becoming, so like there's like this whole balance of like trying to play it, you know, fast enough that you're not like really old where your stats start degrading, but then also, you know, not playing too recklessly and whatnot. And it just... It was amazing. It had one of the best characters. Like, uh, she was a witch, and she could turn into a werewolf, lycanthropy. I loved that. It was so much fun. And just, like I said, it, every time you played it, it was like playing a different game because it was all randomly generated. And, like, yeah, the, the main storyline was the same, but, like, the quests you would get from different people were always different. And some were really hard, like the Snake Read quest. Fuck that quest. <laughs> I hated getting that one. But, um, I just had fun characters. Like your your regular like, barbarian, monk, priest, uh, witch. Priest? Did he yeah, get pri- nerfed with the release of pri- a new priestess. card? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she she was a you know she was baller. She used to smack people to that with maces. She was like uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> but uh. Nice. What was know, she it, like? She's uh with a mace. Nice. But I just it's like. Fun. It's on Steam. It's like five bucks on Steam. If you lo- love games like Diablo, definitely go back and play it. It probably I haven't played it in a while. I think I played it uh, like five. It looks no, a little dated, but with three these years kind of ago. Games, with these kind, oh really? It was only that long ago you played it? Yeah, three years ago I played it. The last time I played it. Yeah. Oh, last, not the first time. No, 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 not the first. No, I was I was in middle school the first time I played it. I'm pretty yeah, sure. The the key to games like this, and a lot of the things that I found on PlayStation games is because they ha- they were on discs and because they were tended to be like you know full motion video they ended up not controlling super tight and they didn't have like really good like when you would when you would like you know what i mean it was a little sluggish feeling a lot of those games and these diablo games are all about the twitch you know nature and them really feeling good mechanically does this one feel really fun to fight stuff in i when i played it it definitely did it felt more fun than actually there is a playstation port of this game i didn't did not like the playstation port of this game as much oh Um, you originally played it on pc I originally played it on PC, yes. Oh, I was thinking it was... Okay, all right. No, yes, no, I originally played it on PC. It came to the PlayStation, so I was like, of course I'll play this game on the PlayStation. Why not? Because I, I was always about having multiple versions of the same game. But I didn't like the, the, the PlayStation version as much. Just because you could really screw yourself, because you, you could accidentally walk into, like, higher-level areas, and then when you do that, it would affect the stores, so they would start selling things that you couldn't even use. And, like, because, like, you learned all your spells via books if you were, like, a spellcaster. And then you would get, like, spell books that you couldn't even use, and so it would really, like, kind of screw up your gameplay. But no, the the PC version, I, it felt good. Like I said, running up as the witch and smacking people in your wolf form was amazing. I love doing that. And it's just, it's a really fun game, and I will champion that game till my dying day. If anyone's ever like, oh, I like Diablo, what other games do I want to play? Darkstone. Play Darkstone. I am so glad you brought this up, because this is, the, that's why we have these things, you know? is to, to find different games we never knew existed. Go ahead, man. Believe it or not, I have a story about this game. <laughs> I remember this game pretty clearly because uh, when I was around that age, I guess about like 8, 9, 10, whenever the PlayStation 1 came out, I remember uh, my mom used to drag me to the outlet mall, which, you know, as a young boy, there's like an outlet mall is not the place you want to be because there's no stores for a kid at the outlet mall. Uh, there, it's all those clothing stores and like perfume shops and all that. But there was a Sony store I remember I at the outlet that. mall, and I went into the Sony store and I was able to get a game. And for ten bucks, I was like, "Oh, here's this game, Darkstone." And I don't remember much about the game at all, but I, 
remember I bought and owned Darkstone. So I'm glad to hear it was uh, better on PC, because I don't think yeah. I remember liking it very much. Uh. Yeah, no, no, it's way better on PC. No, I would totally, and it's like Diab- Diablo 1 as graphics, so like you don't even need a good computer to play it. Like, play, play that game, play that game. If you like Diablo, please play that game, and... <laughs> Tell me how much you love it, because I love this game so much. Awesome, awesome. Well, what a great way to end. I knew there would be. I felt like this feeling. I was like, I should go. I should go second so that Kelsey can go last and drop the fucking mic with some Darkstone. That's how well, it's Which is that good. was just kind of. Yeah, I love obscure picks. All right. Well, on that note, um, we will do what we always do. Well, first of all, let's talk about the site. Um, where can people find us, Jordan? TheJoyOfGeek.net is our new hub for all written content, of course. It we have indeed. a whole bunch of things coming out. We're constantly putting out uh, new reviews and features and all that. Myself, Rich, Kelsey, uh, Kevin Schaefer, our fellow co-host who does not talk games, which is why he is never here. Uh, we're all writing stuff. we got a lot more cool things coming there. You can, of course, find the archive of episodes at TheJoyOfGaming.com. You can find us on Facebook at TheJoyOfGeek. You can find us on Twitter at TheJoyOfGame. And you can find me personally at IndigoMaster, at, that's E-N-D-I-G-O-M-A-S-T-E-R on Twitter, as well as at my personal writing site for uh, comics, reviews, all that, jordanelsaka.tumblr.com. You can find me at Rich Lepore, as well as joyofgeek.net uh, joy and joyofgaming.com, of course. And you can find me over at Twitter at NerdyLoki. Nice. Uh, and now let's end the way that we always end these uh, episodes. Talk about what we're looking forward to playing. But I'm going to start with a question. Jordan, are you going to play Mankind Divided? Uh, I have not finished playing Human Revolution yet, so uh, probably not yet. But it is on my radar. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like this is early enough in the year. Going to see that Black Friday sale. Probably pick it up then. Ah, okay. Because that game is getting astounding reviews it really is uh as far as what i'll be playing in the immediate future uh banner saga is is probably the main thing i'm gonna play when i get a downtime a lot of my downtime right now has been watching shows uh so i've been watching a lot i'm sure that'll come up on a tv episode soon because i got a lot to say about some shows uh but as far as what i'll be playing yeah banner saga and uh federation force is something we're talking about so we we may play that before the next episode or the episode after that awesome Awesome. Kelsey, which can we plan? Um, well, Hearthstone will keep releasing new wings, so I'll be playing a lot more Hearthstone, trying to theorycraft some new decks. And also uh Batman Arkham Knight. What did you say? Get... What was that? What wait, wait, wait. World of Warcraft? What? World of War- World of Warcraft, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> oh no, no, Batman Arkham Knight is gonna take up most of my time because I'm enjoying it and honestly once we're done I'll probably go play some more for a little bit, so <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, well, on that note, um, we will be back in about two weeks, um, as long as the schedules line up, and it looks like they might, um, hopefully to talk about what's coming out in the fall and what we're excited about. Um, up until then, you can find all the great content on the website, listen to our podcasts, etc., for all the other uh, themes. So we also do podcasts, if you didn't know already, I'm sure you did, but we also have the Joy of Film, the Joy of TV, and the Joy of Comics. Joy of Gaming is still our flagship po- podcast, but um, we do have uh, an alternating um, – uh, array of those uh, those types of episodes as well. You usually have one a month for each topic. Is that what we're looking at right it now? It seems for... to be a good what we're aiming for, and I think we're hitting that. So yeah, that's good. It's, it's been good. You know, for uh, there were times when we didn't have an episode up for a while, and now we're like more than one a week usually. So we're really uh, we're really firing on all cylinders and excited about the future. Tell us what you want to see. Tell us what you want to hear. Um, anything else you guys want to say? Just uh, keep on gaming. <laughs> All right, that sounded really broed out and awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. Bro. Yeah, bro.
Let's do the it. Doritos Chef- about Duke. Oh, yeah, Jeff Keeley. What? <laughs> uh, on that note, I am Rich Lapore. Jordan Alseka. Kelsey Lair. And we will see you real soon. Bye-bye. Keep on gaming. Yeah. <laughs> don't. Don't. Well, yes, do, but not because I said something. <laughs> or whatever. All right, bye-bye.